0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast where we cover One Piece, My Hero Academia, Black Clover Mashal, Dr. Stone, and Jujutsu Kaisen week to week. Back this week to discuss Weekly Shonen Jump issue number 18. I'm your host Knox and as you can tell, um there is no Nickoms this week. Um something that we noticed from doing shows with just me and him back to back since Kiko and Eagle have been absent is that there is something special about, you know, a one-on-one conversational dynamic when it comes to reviewing these manga. So, since Kiko and Eagle are actually going to be returning to the show very soon. We figured we would take advantage of the rest of the time that they'll be away by seeing how many one-on-one conversations we can get um, across both of our shows. So you'll see that um, I was you know, not there for the special grade podcast for any of our patrons out there that follow that. I wasn't there last week for that. Nick is not here this week for... On the Project Manga podcast. Who knows what other kinds of combinations we'll think of before Kiko and Eagle come back. But as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I got my good buddy Melo Yenis here. You might remember him from um literally every kind of show that we do he's guested on so um welcome back Mello. how are you doing man
1: i'm doing fantastic always a pleasure never a chore
0: absolutely dude and and we go back super far um you know even before project manga as friends who talk about comic books and manga all the time but i don't think that i've ever had a tried and true one-on-one conversation with you about Weekly Shonen Jump chapters. It always happens in a group chat or it always happens on this show with multiple other panelists. So I'm super excited to get into the chapters tonight with you, Melo. Before we get into the discussion tonight, of course, we'd like you to take a look at the description down below. That's gonna be where you find our link tree. That's going to have all of our individual social media accounts like Twitter um, that you can follow us on. It's also going to have links to our Discord and other online communities that you can join if you'd like. There's also gonna be other ways that you can consume the Project Manga podcast either on uh, Apple or Spotify or other audio-only platforms like those. There's also ways that you can support what we do here at Project Manga by visiting our online store and Patreon. And then there's also going to be timestamps down below. You can use those to navigate yourself throughout the video so you can skip the segments for the series you're not yet current on or the segments you just don't want to watch right now. Whatever works best for you. But getting into the chapters tonight, Weekly Shonen Jump. Issue number eighteen. We have no Jujutsu Kaisen or My Hero Academia. Um, I don't think that that's ever been a thing on this show yet, where both of them are gone. So that's that's kind of heartbreaking. But luckily, Lean the rest time. of the issue blanked. <laughs> so like, there's a lot to talk about despite that, especially with One Piece and Doctor Stone. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, super excited to get into that. Let's just let's just jump into Doctor Stone. Since there's no shoot shoot suit oh but yeah dr stone chapter 191 divine scream down to earth oh my god <laughs>
1: i am really a big fan of this episode mm-hmm. it like it really culminates the kind of like back and forth the idea of prediction right yes. because like their opponents with Zeno's army has always been, these guys are trained military dudes. They have tactical knowledge drilled into them. They are trying to like, and they've been like winning because of it. Right. And this is like the culmination of like, what is the old school? What is the new school? Like how do we uh, outperform an experienced team that's been trained to deal with all the tactics that we could like theoretically come up with with the units at play mm-hmm. and i think that's really interesting and then it also like does the like larger throwback as well near the end of the chapter yeah uh, <laughs> which i think is very very potent um yeah. i think it's the great climaxing i can't wait to see what carries on in the next chapter see how that plays out yeah i never um, i don't think i
0: ever got to ask you how you felt about the raising stakes in dr stone throughout these this hectic string of chapters that we've had since the last time that you've been on the show actually i think it was actually starting to just starting to get spicy mm-hmm, the last time that mm-hmm. you were here so i'm I'm interested to see like what you think about like how it went from a very a relatively campy series to one where everyone mm-hmm. is just being killed. And now we kind of seem yeah. to have a solution for that here, you know, to, at the end of this chapter. But before before we got this kind of like light at the end of the tunnel situation here, how did you, how did you feel about these last couple of weeks of Dr. Stone, bro?
1: It was really grim. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder, because like, it's one of those like Hunter X Hunter moments, right? Where it's like a very cute Shonen story. And then like the younger followers that are just like gonna hit this point in the chapter, I'm like, oh, oh honey, no. <laughs> welcome to the Bambi moment. Yeah, and welcome it comes so late moment. in
0: Doctor Stone, you know what I mean? In Loss Hunter, of Innocence. Yeah, in, in Hunter, you know what I mean? That that veil, you know, is kind of um, is kind of lifted or it's kind of, you know, that 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 filter is kind of shattered very early, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Hunter x Hunter, but it is a big shock still, like when it happens because it you just don't feel that coming at all when it happens and i think that in dr stone that kind of situation coming so late just i didn't know what to fucking do the last couple of weeks bro me and nick were losing our shit bro like every (laughs) single segment like
1: i mean like different feeling i think it's because i feel like um the way it's happening Mm -hmm. is a great example of how contrasting each forces like Ideologically, ideologically function, right? Yes. Because like for so long, science kingdom has always just been like, we're optimistic. We can get through through sheer willpower and chutzpah and yeah. like can do spirit and yeah. dumb muscle power. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Taiju <it's> um, <laughs> you know fine, human. we'll throw in magma and just so that <laughs> Taiju wears out, right? Yeah. Um but like this is that moment because like Zeno's army was all like, cause like they're all adults. Right. Right. They yeah. are bringing the adult world to them because right. like the science kingdom, uh, was always like just a bunch of kids yes. or if there was any age, it was villagers that just didn't, know the world right. they're, exactly they're from, people that they're from were
0: born in the stone age right
1: yeah they're born in the stone age so it's yeah. very different and i think that it's like it's like that uh and i think that's a great reflection of the stakes right because they are now kids fighting adults and now the adults are giving those adult stakes right. taiju shot gunned down all everybody these people everybody getting gunned down like even like you know the super teen with the gorilla strength right like yeah. he's even he's like you know you're just a really tough kid yeah bang
0: bang it's over and And i i love how serious the um you know this enemy science team is because throughout dr stone there have been one or multiple antagonists in every story arc that you can see being rallied to the cause of senku and at the beginning of this arc obviously you have dr zeno's reveal and him kind of joining the team as a hostage and cooperating because of the love of science, despite the differences of the two, you know, opposing forces. So it it set this kind of expectation that 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 steps off of that foundation of antagonists become friends that Riichiro has kind of laid out throughout the series. And then once we get to Stanley's team, you know, especially with that Zeno cooperation, you know, at the front of it the fact that these guys are all business, no games, and there's no conversion whatsoever in sight, or I'm an antagonist to, enemy. yeah, an adamant enemy is like a really big deal to get right now, especially when they're serious enough to just mow kids down because, yeah. you know, with their military training and their adults, you know, I'm sure that in their eyes, I mean, not only are they just taking orders, but like they have to agree with them to some extent. I mean, they're adults, so... You know Senku's approach isn't very utilitarian he wants to save everybody you know Mm -hmm. what I mean so Stanley's approach obviously they have their own moral compass inside of their camp and they're deciding that violence works here when it needs to and the bigger picture is this and it's our idea of it and that's what we want to bring to reality and whoever gets in our way is casualties of war so seeing that dynamic on the page in conflict is really nail biting and it it brings a lot of uncertainty to it yeah
1: and it's one of those things that like i think that we have at like the project mana podcast like Mm -hmm. gone about stakes being the most all the time satisfying thing. like (laughs) that's that's if there is a flagship like trait we look for in a manga it's stakes yeah that's so true (laughs) it's just like like, that's that's our biggest complaint about any series like hey there's no stakes but like dr stone is really breaking away from the formula and it is i am here for it oh yeah i like i you know me i like Mm -hmm. horror i like the sort of distress of seeing you know the heroes like push to the very back corner and i love seeing them how do they respond to that pressure and i just yes it's mean of me but yeah <laughs> like, i love it when protagonists suffer <laughs>
0: right well shit. even 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 to to go in you know to that with you it's like you like to those uncertainties in the moment of the conflict for the stakes and i'm sure you like stakes wherever they are but me personally mm-hmm. i want to see what consequences look like after the fact as far as stakes go i feel like a lot of it comes from you know how much the villain is able to get away with either because their plan was that good or because the protagonist made a mistake that the that the antagonist capitalized on whatever it is long term detriment in any form is one of the the most potent at least in my opinion form of stakes that we can get in shonen manga because it's so absent normally you know what i mean like you have these big threats that say they're going to destroy the planet they're going to destroy the kingdom they're going to destroy the village you know what I mean, and they might take out some random no-name villagers, but by and large, throughout shonen storytelling, it's like they talk a lot of shit and then they get whooped before they yeah. make a real big difference. But lately, shonen storytelling is kind of moving towards a more um, mature, uh, maybe, uh, maybe not mature, but like just macabre. You know what I mean? Like it just feels darker. It feels mm-hmm. more, um, you know, destitute. It feels more. There's more disparity. You know, like in the conflicts. You know, nowadays, and 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 I and I and I respect that. And in inside of Dr. Stone, none of that was really there throughout the entire series because it didn't mm-hmm. need to be there, because that's not what it what it was really about. It was about exploration and chronicling and you know invention. You know what I mean? I didn't it didn't matter to me that there wasn't a, a wild threat that I didn't know if the team was going to make it out of week to week. You know what I mean? Like it, it was about something else. But now Richiro introduces the stakes at this brilliant point where it's like the ultimate contrasting dichotomy outlook battle, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's just the perfect place to inject something like this, and it's just, I haven't seen this, like, storytelling decision-making like this in Shonen ever. Especially in Shonen. Yeah,
1: No, because, like, the closest they got to that Mm -hmm. was when they first fought the first Medusa. Mm -hmm. That was the closest they got to it, and I loved that arc. I was like, yes, are you going to have to admit that Shinso Was right, and that, like, you need to kill. Like,
0: oh, Shishio, 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 Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, are you gonna, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, do you admit that Shishio is right? That there is, like, you will hit a roadblock, and the only way to solve that puzzle is through violence, right? And so far, Senku has been like, no, I'm the smartest kid alive, I'm there's a better way right. there will be a better way and i'll make a better way and this is that was a big test of that and this is an even larger test of that mm-hmm. like he's not going to be able to solve this with uh with any half measures like yes. he has to re because these adults are reaching further right than others would Because they're like, no, we're not going to. Sympathy has no place in *The Lord of the Flies*. Yeah, like murk all these kids. It doesn't matter. They have the know-how to activate these petrification things. These kids must be stopped. No more stopgap
0: measures. Nothing like that. Like, because that's really what the that's really what the protagonists have been working with is just taking advantage of one stopgap after another. You know what I mean? Because Mm. whatever plan, whatever grandiose plan Senku had at the start of this conflict literally at it's every, yeah it's it it's changed it's it, like new like other obstacles have shown up that have completely changed he's had to do a lot of things on the fly and everything seems to have been just an in the moment let's buy 15 to 20 more minutes an hour three mm-hmm. more hours whatever you know what I his mean? wind
1: I mean. conditions have changed so yes. much yeah. throughout this chase mm-hmm. to the south um like he understood that like he couldn't win and so he's doing a lot of more disparate things mm-hmm. like i think most of the camp series um he's been ahead of the game he's been yep. two steps ahead whereas this one he's like i don't know if i can outsmart them right like he even sent you know the geographer and the uh the spy luna yep.
0: mm-hmm. away chelsea and luna yep
1: yeah, he sent those two away because he's like, I don't even know if my yeah. ultimate tr- ace in the hole that I've invented now is even gonna work.
0: And we've never um, seen Senku like this, you know what I mean? Like, and, and a lot of it has to do with Boichi's art too. And I'm sure that this is just like a collaborative effort, you know, between Riichiro and 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 Boichi inside of this creative team. But I feel like a lot of the series Senku, even in um, desperate situations, has always been shown. You always see some amount of confidence from Senku no matter what is happening. You know what I mean? And in this situation, I thought at the beginning of the assault that there was that like back of the mind, back pocket plan that was never talked about in the series that Senku kind of just had ready. But like, no, it it really felt like he was just like, this might really be it. You know what I mean? You can really tell that in his art, you know, of Senku's. Facial expressions and mm-hmm. demeanor and disposition throughout this raid. You know what I mean. And obviously, He's been pretty the, grave. Yeah, the situation now, you know, is showing us at the end of this chapter that this wasn't a, it wasn't as much a. I had everything figured out, and I'm, and this was all a part of my plan, Senku. It's more of that on the fly, cunning, you know, and and um and critical, quick critical thinking yeah. that, that Senku is known for. You know what I mean. So it doesn't really help even though we see this light at the end of the tunnel in this chapter it doesn't really help um it's
1: very uncertain yeah it's very it's very light at the end of the tunnel is flickering like um i think he's spent a lot of time with gen and Mm -hmm. has learned to kind of keep a cool face Mm -hmm. even though he's like because like most of the groups like oh you didn't notice that he tricked you guys like (laughs) he doesn't have this yeah. You know, uh, they already mentioned it before. And so I think <laughs> that's just, it's really great yeah. uh, for me. Yeah. But I wonder how he's going to get past this. Cause I think that, like, stakes wise, I need. wonder in future things, cause like their whole plan so far has been do AOE widespread freeze. Right. And then, uh, you know, rejuvenate them. But if he's doing that large of a widespread freeze, Luna Chelsea, uh the young girl with the gourd, uh, yeah. they're all gonna be caught in it as well. so who's going to rejuvenate them after that right. conflicts done like yeah. who's because they're far away from any other villagers, away yeah. from all their allies yeah. if they're just going to like freeze everybody yeah what's going to happen because eventually the people holding the other village, the science kingdom people in hostage, they're mm-hmm. going to either bring him into the population or get rid of them. Right. And be like, you know, Stanley, you got rid of Xeno, let's get rid of you. Like, you know, <laughs> there
0: could be, um, <clears throat> there could be a, um, some kind of night drip apparatus off Off screen that we don't know about, but I feel like Riichiro won't want to use the same gag twice in that in that respect. you know what I mean so I'm just thinking of possibilities as like who's going to revive who because it's like why man's on the moon um this this beam is going to cover twelve million meters or whatever twelve million eight hundred meters yeah. or whatever so then you have to think yeah. like okay is is the is the medusa strong enough to to um to bring the command to full power you know what i mean or is it going to cover a certain radius and then burn out before it freezes or before it petrifies everybody i think that's the biggest question that people have about this last page is you know this a brand new battery sure but it's still only one medusa and like that distance pretty sure is like the whole planet or more you know what i mean so
1: yeah, yeah, I wonder if it's going to burn out, fizzle out, have a shortened range, or because it's like the strange light, will it catch all the other spent Medusas on the side of the ship that they yeah. used for stealth and refract off that? So will they, are they banking on it having a short burst, but like it catching the stealth ship sides and like refracting and getting like a, at least a decent amount of area? Yeah. Um are and where is senku like yeah i wonder if he's doing something that will completely insulate him from light like he's completely covering himself oh to avoid the petrification like like a like a catfish just like covering himself in completely in mud or water or, or other or re- hiding himself in a pile of medusas. Yo, wait, would that work? I don't know the physics. Know. I'm not
0: a scientist.
1: No, I'm The thing Stone. is, the Medusa is such sci-fi technology. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. But I don't know so because like,
0: I think that we I think they talked about what the Medusa was made of in in all respects, not just the battery. I feel like they've talked somewhere. I don't I don't remember if they have, but I'm I'm just going to assume that somewhere in this comic book they talked about what the um, and one actually, wait, 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 actually, wait. We know that the Medusa's block radio waves in some capacity, um, because they covered so, the ship with them or whatever, right? So,
2: man, I don't know. He can't be
1: using that to send he, if he's, he's sending a signal, he can't yeah. be using the Medusa's. So, I'm convinced that he is covering himself in mud, yeah, like, like otherwise, I, 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 like like a simple solution, like it would fit his style, a very simple solution for a high tech problem. And I think that would be kind of a nice like reversal because the opponent has had so much of an advantage because of their modern day abilities. And Senku is kind of proving that this new school without the hangups of modern technology and modern Mm -hmm. training can still survive and surpass the problems that come with the stone age that comes with technology like the medusa and so i think hiding in mud would be kind of the nice ace in the hole yeah that's my take on it i'm trying um, to think
0: though because it's like it's like if 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 covering yourself in mud protects you from the medusa and i'm sure that there had to have been people that were just underground or below surface level when the medusa went off you know and i don't know i don't think that i don't think that that area has ever been explored um, another well, I mean yeah.
1: where did the villagers come from yeah
0: yeah. like okay. yeah, where think...
1: did some of these villagers come from no one really knows they're like oh maybe they came out of you know they came out of but the thing is like I, I think that might be the case mm-hmm. because like the first village they meet some of them were related to like the spacefarers that yeah. his parents Yakuya and his, his dad mm-hmm. Yakuya came with um. But I think that there, there's got to be more. It can't be enough. There, yeah. There's so many islands, like the yeah. island with the first Medusa. Where did those people come from? And you can't say that they were petrified and then they were found there because these are multiple generations since. And Zeno and Senku were the ones who came out first. Yeah. So it can't be people that have already been frozen.
0: Yeah. So I unless think they I un-petrified it, them themselves, which we know that, there and I and I think
1: that it genuinely is being hidden underground. underground? They had they had a, they they basically reduced the population to people that were perfectly insulated underground from the wave, and then because the technology and the cities have been like so decimated, it doesn't matter. If they're survivors, they mm-hmm. can't utilize the leftover infrastructure. It's yeah. too massive for them to operate themselves with just layperson information mm-hmm. because no one's maintaining the servers. Yeah. No one's maintaining water or electricity. Yeah. Even if you have a hundred survivors, you're not gonna like just turn the switch back on. back on. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna just like uh we're a little understaffed, but the diner's open. You know? <laughs> like you're not gonna do that.
0: No, you're not. Um Dude, I so like I, this. I, I... I, I like I like Underground. I like covered in Medusas. Um it's very Predator first predator movie. Um Schwarzenegger versus Predator it
1: reminds, me, reminds <laughs> me of that. <laughs> oh, I hope they actually have like an artistic like reference to that <laughs> oh, where, where Senku just rises out of the mud and like yo. I beat you. <laughs> Dude, that would be epic
0: dude I, or he could cover himself in a bunch of like animal corpses because the only thing that the the, the beam hits is humans and pigeons or whatever so if you cover yourself mm-hmm. with a bunch of dead fish or some shit oh, you'd probably be alright
1: <laughs> that'd be nuts um I don't know I'm trying to make I,
0: it, I'm trying to make it work bro I really don't like the nital drip shower I don't think that should be yeah, used
1: to I, I, I feel like it's either that or the mud yeah. Or he's somehow like submerging himself in like the drip. Yeah. And like basically just <laughs>
0: Just chilling swimming so... in night hall as the yeah bee Yeah, him. exactly.
1: <laughs> like he's just, he's just like, okay, I was frozen. I'm gonna be out in like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh well just... or, or
0: the other thing is that the, the the um the Medusa just doesn't have the power to cover the radius that it wants, or the 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 distance that that was said, because that because the distance is like double the size of the Earth or some shit or more, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so it's like, it, it's like if it's double the like I don't think I don't think double the size of the Earth will reach the Moon anyway. But um, well I don't know. But anyway, my point is, if the if the Medusa's battery is brand new, you'd want to think well, it should have the power to do whatever it needs to do if it's a fresh battery because. Um, the previous Medusa that we saw in the Medusa arc was how long had that been used for? And it was still... Multiple times, yeah, it like was a, over. It was a
1: traditional weapon. Yeah,
0: and that had to have been an old-ass Medusa, you know what I mean? So, like, if, it, mm-hmm. if, if an old, old, old-ass Medusa like that was that high-functioning all throughout that Medusa arc, then you would think a fresh battery would be able Might to do whatever the fuck it. it needs to do, you know? But at the same time... You could just say it's not the original creator of these Medusa batteries. As tight as Joel was, you know, like he didn't have the time. Y-Man or whoever the Y-Man's team was, he didn't have the time that they had. They figured it out, but it wasn't perfect. It's functional, but it's not, you know, it's not um, proper in that, in that regard. That would be another thing that I could think. So they say 12 million meters and it only covers like, I don't know whatever distance that freezes everyone except the two farthest people away from the conflict like chelsea or
1: luna or yeah something no because like yeah. i feel like that might happen mm-hmm. in there um regardless of what happens i wonder if there is a limit because like their whole plan revolves if we freeze everyone we can save everyone right i want to see if that will if that is a truism yeah. i want to see if they're like yeah we froze them we dug the bullet out it's a lot of tissue damage dude <laughs> um we lost a few people and i want to see if that stake will happen and because of the way they've handled it so far that's actually on the table
0: is it because i feel like what we understand about petrification healing you know, so far in the in the series, is that if you have any kind of damage that didn't kill you, you know, how how drastic that damage is, regardless, being petrified and then unpetrified heals whatever damage that was as long as the affected affected area was petrified. So that is 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 literally like the saving grace right now. And plus you have Sukasa Shishio a couple chapters ago that was like the only thing that makes sense is that, like, I'm going to be shot. I'm going to go into a near death state. I'm going to get frozen in that near death state, or it may be in that post death state where I have died, but there's like a small window of opportunity where you can revive a dead person still. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're trapped in that state you know what i mean and then they're frozen and then the de-petrification just brings them back to to 100%. If that's the way that they're going to go about this, i'm personally fine with it because the stakes have been presented so well leading up to yeah. you know the 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 triumphant survival or victory or whatever like the uncertainty was so potent inside of such a campy series for so long that i don't care if it ends with sunshine and rainbows at this point you made me feel a way i never thought i was going to feel in this comic book so hats off to you you know what i mean um
1: i think because it does like i don't feel like it would be a cop-out after that
0: me neither yeah because that was that was my expectations the whole time you know what i mean was that stakes don't matter in in dr stone because they don't need to you know what i mean because it's not about it's about so much more than that so i was cool with them always you know winning without any kind of real that you know real um um threat you know what i mean so but now richero just said well i'm giving you one anyway and it's like it's like good for you dude town. yeah it's like fuck yeah like i love yes. i love that i'm thoroughly impressed with this creative team and how they've handled this ip from literally start to finish yeah oh yeah and the and uh... and actually let's i don't think we've actually gone through like we've talked about some of the events of the chapter but we haven't like gone like page for page we've had an incredible conversations so far don't get me wrong but i do have to shout out a lot of the art in mm-hmm. this chapter bro four and fives double spread is is one of the it, at least for me it's one that like touched me a little bit more because one you have like amazing blending effects inside of the dialogue bubbles that I think really add to the atmosphere of the double spread you have like very um you know uh reinvigorated um corn city team or whoever this 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 team is here with Ginro and 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 everybody you mm-hmm. have them rushing towards the end of the page with this very I don't even know what senku is feeling in in this expression you know what i mean to save all of humanity we got to destroy ourselves like that sounds very confident like he knows exactly what he needs to do but his face says we i don't even know know what his face says yeah you know what i mean it
1: it definitely takes a lot of conviction Mm -hmm. to do that like Mm -hmm. even in the face of uncertainty doubt despair that he's obviously probably feeling it takes a lot of conviction to do that. Like, yeah. this is, like, he is committed to this course of action, and uh, props to the speech bubbles, like... Yeah, dude, that uh, goes so hard we, in that moment. last time I was on here, we talked about that in the Phantom Seer thing, where we were like, hey, you know what, the speech bubble is a little under, underutilized tool to convey things, and I'm really oh, sure that this is, like, making a comeback, and, yes. like, expanding to other huh? manga. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the idea that because I like the pacing of it, it's Senku, it's forcing on it's zooming in, making him the focus of like his idea, like it's all boiling down to his plan mm-hmm. to save the world, destroy the world, and then it cuts to the earth, and then it cuts to like the people, which I think metaphorically would represent his world because he is very invested in preserving the life of every science kingdom citizen yes like they are his metaphorical world and right. so i like the idea that like both of them are at stake equally yes
0: um, and i love the struggle of this team knowing that they're running into gunfire because their captain has a very confident idea of how they think this is going to go they're communicating in japanese um morse code right so they're communicating mm-hmm. in japanese morse code this uh is, is i think what they said stanley's team like mentions or whatever this is how that they they, they, they've slid under our noses like this or whatever i think is what they said Mm. and i think it's cool how once they get the command and they know what's going on they're this quick to jump into the line of fire for this plan and it and it says a lot about the the relationships that have been built you know, from the beginning of, of the series until now, between all the people involved, no matter when they joined Senku's team, as soon as they joined, they were ride or die motherfuckers for this cause. You know what I mean? And seeing them all come together without a single one of them showing any kind of real anxiety or hesitation, they're just like everyone got clapped up back over there. All right, well, what are you telling us to do? You want a suicide mission? All right, that, that's what Senku says. All right, here we go. you know, and they all jump yeah, into they're it.
1: True converts. Yes, you, you know, genuinely I, believe in him.
0: Yeah. Um. and it's it's, it's 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 a cool thing to see. I love seeing... I don't know who this dude with the swirly eyebrows is. I forget his name, but he's um, from the Medusa arc. He's
1: from the first Medusa arc. Yep. He was like the second son, or at least the main protector. Right, and um, then he and- got
0: trained by Hyoga after he converted, and now mm-hmm. we're seeing Hyoga's fighting style inside of this character right now, inside of this... Um, this uh little bit
1: of legacy. Yeah,
0: yeah the, yeah. the the circle, the little whooshy. I don't even know how to explain it, but you know yeah, what I'm talking
1: the, about. <laughs> the the moon the moon stab. Yeah, yeah, the moon um, stab. Like, <laughs> the four and five, touching yeah. back on that, oh like, sure. Watching sure. all the people that he converted, right? Like yes. Magma, he converted, uh Gin's brother, mm-hmm. uh Silva, like they converted the cop the former cop, mm-hmm. uh Swirly Man, like the Swirly woman. Man. They they're all people that he converted yeah over like they were against him they they were not for him none of these people were mm-hmm. and then i like the expressions on their face especially with the action that happens on six and seven right bro like th- this is th- like this is their faces under duress they're like yeah. this is not going to work right we're going to try
0: and for the scaling you know what i mean even though that that's not like really a thing in in dr stone but it still does show the levels of um, combat proficiency in how far these characters make it to the Medusa. You have the cop Mm -hmm. and like some other random dude with a top knot that I I can't remember off the top of my head. I think he's just a random dude. But anyway, the motherfuckers that don't really be in the mix of action like that are getting shot instantly. Meanwhile, Swirly Eyebrow Cat is is, is getting a little bit farther. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Acrobat shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Acrobat shit gets the keys. You know what I mean? Then she gets her arm blown off by the sod off, you know what I mean? But still oh, it's it's cool that's showing that's so brutal. And the art on the art on that page is so drastic too. Cause like
1: I love the buckshot Yeah, impact. the like, the
0: buckshot damage. You don't see like like you can see Stark Blacks where it's supposed to be missing arm but like boichi doesn't go that extra distance to show legitimate divots in missing flesh it's very it implied enough. but it, it shows enough for dr stone exactly mm-hmm. you know what i mean like so. he,
1: and i think it's because he's very aware of the yes. audience like yes. i mentioned it earlier it's like oh the young and seeing this this is going to be rough for them yeah <laughs> um but like boichi i found him through sunken rock right. which was very graphic in its violence and so he's like he's and no a lot stranger of other to areas violence.
0: too than just violence he, yeah
1: yeah he's no stranger to violence yeah uh so i think it's a very like artful restraint yeah. uh, to do that and still convey how heavy that is um and like like magma being shot it's like it only cuts up from his chin up, yes. On page eleven, I was just and looking at it right now. Yeah, it's 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 um, the Greeks in theater had a term for it called obscene, which mm. was obsc- The root for obscene mm. and off screen, basically. So like, um, like Oedipus Rex, oh right? sure, where she stabs her eyes out after fi- spoilers, and Oedipus <laughs> Rex, she stabs her eyes out. <laughs> um and it was always Spoilers for what like a 150
0: year old story
1: <laughs> <laughs> for her um you know it was too graphic and yeah. so she would always turn her back to the audience and so i i it's a nice touch cuz it like it's still quite there but it's not there right. um and you know the adult stakes are there yeah i, I do think the like imp- oh sorry go ahead the touch on 11 where the engineer for Zeno, he's shedding a tear he's like i yeah. didn't enjoy this yeah
0: i didn't even notice this tear bro until right now <sighs> i thought that was lot, sweat man. fam
1: yeah, wow that it's adds subtle. so it's
0: much to this because see like the most impressive thing to me in this chapter i think was um how was the direction of 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 the 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 way that the chapter you know was laid out um it was like as far as the, the paneling and the art and as far as the um the storytelling through the the art it, it did a really good job of showing and dialogue helped with this too but it did a really good job of showing that tide shifting you know what i mean they would the mm-hmm. the, the protagonist would get over one hurdle and then lose half of the people then they'd get mm-hmm. over another hurdle lose another half of the people then there's only like two people left or two or three people left, you know what I mean. As Magna is 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 opening up this this case with the Medusa in it, this amazingly triumphant panel of him beautifully opening up this 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 chest, and then mm-hmm. boom, getting a, you know, his chest shot open, you know, what I mean? or wherever the fuck they shot him. You know,
1: at night. he's messed up. Yeah,
0: you know, and um, then you get this fucking Joel panel of him just reaching right in. To grab it, but first he hits his watch and then grabs the fucking Medusa, and you're like, "Yes!" And then Bro slams the fucking thing down on his arm, and it's just Ooh, like, "They're there." No, they're not. They're eyes. there. No, they're not. Yeah, and it's just like Joel's yeah. eyes. He's like, "Oh, that's a lot of pain." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I'm not used to pain like that. <laughs> not not as a craftsman, oh, you know, man. not in this area." Yeah, it's no, just, no, it's just so well done, and the explanation for everything. I think I understand. As far as he's like, call it my bourbon revenge, nobody interferes with my victory toast. I get this because he's like, he's he, even though he was on the enemy team or whatever, he's down for Senku's cause now. And he wants mm-hmm. that. He, he He's like, I've never, throughout all of my years in this field, had an, a, a, a project this difficult. And I figured it out. I want my celebratory moment that you guys robbed me of when I threw the fucking Medusa in the champagne glass and then wanted my toast. You fucking crushed the glass and took the Medusa from me. Fuck you. Everyone's getting petrified. Then I'm going to get de-petrified because I trust Senku now. And then when I'm de-petrified, I'm having my victory toast. You know what I mean? So that's all of the determination I need from Joel to justify this um swapping of sides you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and it, it made sense before this even too you know what i mean but this really this really helps for it but as far as this watch receiver i'm just having a hard time remembering when this was set up the explanation sounds great but i just don't remember when in the story Unless they like explain, unless I'm just like dumb and they're like explaining it all, and it's literally all here, and I'm just like not catching it. But
1: it's hard to keep track because yeah, it is hard to keep track because there's Dr. so many Stone. locations so and there's I so think many characters. Right? Reference it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they made it at some point, and they've been dealing with enough radio parts. I was just having around. I think this is going to be kind of like a post chapter, like next chapter reveal. Like, this mm-hmm. is when we swapped things out because yeah, radio he is receiver surprised. in watch
0: form. And then main... surprised
1: by that. Yeah. Like, I think that this was something that has been like foreshadowed, but I don't think explicitly said. Um, and your moment, the thing that you mentioned with like the champagne glass, that actually makes me wonder. Um, does a container limit um oh wait that's
0: right wait yeah yo he put it oh no 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 because no 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 never mind because he only said like a really small like the, the the dis, like the uh the size of the glass essentially was like how big of the of a radius he made it when he when he got it to work you know what i mean so yeah. So it wasn't, yeah, yeah, glass doesn't block it. yeah. I
1: got... Well, I wasn't thinking glass. Oh, I, thinking I, I like, thought con- for a second like, when like a you brought it up, I was like, oh, shit. Because oh, sure. they have, they did this whole Mad Max Fury Road thing where they led people out and then got back to the place they needed to be, where they had left, right? Like, they left the ship and they got the people off the ship and they went back to the ship to, like use the Medusa that was always there Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if the ship itself will limit the distance of the Medusa if they are banking on that particular Medusa to go off Mm. okay so it might not even affect everyone it just might affect all the soldiers here which is the bulk of their army yeah so it's hard to say um let's see
0: no, it has no. It has to reach at least Senku's people because it's the only chance to save everybody. And Senku said, True. "Everyone lives." I legitimately believe that all the way back before the Stone Wars even started, when they first depetrified Shishio, and Senku said, "Nah, son." The first ideology clash that we saw was Shishio and 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 Senku, and it, and mm. and and Senku said, "Look, bro, you're kind of spitting. I agree with a lot of what you're talking about, dude. Adults suck." And they ruined the planet before we 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 were petrified, but I'm not trying to kill nobody. Everyone lives. Literally, everyone lives. Even the people who have been crushed to dust live because we have um, Taiju's girlfriend, who's the perfect craftsman who can literally mm, yes. or arts and crafts or whatever whatever her thing was, and puts all the pieces together. So we have her. You know what I mean? For that, you know. So I, I legitimately believe that everyone is going to live here. You know, so the the, the Medusa yeah. has to cover the appropriate distance to save everyone who's been mortally wounded, at least.
1: All right, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I, you know what, that's fair because, yeah. um, and I think Boichi is a theme of this series is steadfast idealism. Yes. And the idea of um, strong will overcoming. Yeah absolutely so in a way I that embossied.
0: like isn't as hand wavy you know as we see in other stories and i mean like the way that it's executed in dr stone some people could probably say it feels kind of hand wavy the way that they win sometimes but i mean at least there's as much thought into the explanation for win conditions mm-hmm. and victory that we get in dr stone a lot of other shonen that you know, puts willpower above everything. And that's, you know, friendship, willpower, whatever. It feels like no a slap jutsu. in the face Yeah, a yeah, bit sometimes. Yeah, in all of those other series, when that kind of wins in a, in a, in a less than satisfying way, at least in Dr. Stone, um, those expectations are very clear, you know, in the beginning. And most shounen, whenever threats are introduced and whenever the premise and the setting and the overall atmosphere of the series is being fleshed out, you can tell usually right away, you know, how campy a series is going to be, how high stakes it's going to be. Now, there are a lot mm-hmm. of curveballs that are thrown. Hunter Hunter is an example that we've been talking about throughout this segment. As far as that look over here, while I do something over here, kind of storytelling approach that Togashi took with that um, very deceptive veil, you know, that's over Hunter Hunter in regards to its bright color palette and its very bouncy, you know, vibrant, mm-hmm. happy-go-lucky um, atmosphere in the beginning you know what I mean but inside of Boichi when that when that curveball is thrown like it was inside of this arc it, it was crazy for what it was you know what I mean but I feel like the execution is so different inside of Dr. Stone because everything is so scientifically explained You know what I mean? So it it almost feels like it's relying on the fact that not everybody is a scientist to explain some of the more hand wavy moments where if this kind of stuff happened in a series that didn't have this much scientific explanation, um, giving us context to events, we would probably go does this like is this like you know like you probably asked a little bit more questions you know what i mean so yeah yeah. i
1: feel like they're kind of relying on uh there's a phrase called any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and so as hand waves go this is more sleight of hand
0: yeah exactly as opposed to a slap in the face yes Um, i love that very well said
1: bro fuck yeah uh I love the reactions. I like the touch of the moon and like Y-Man being on the moon, the fact that he's repeating voices and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really like that there's like, hey, remember these things that we established really early on in the series? (laughs) Yeah, we're taking them into account. It's all been (laughs) relevant.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I was wondering when we were getting this explanation towards the end about Y-Man's voice sounding like Senku's, That confused the shit out of me, and now I'm seeing, actually right now that I've kind of like scrolled down in this comment section, I saw a a comment from someone named the Sci-Fi Slut, I mean this is just a comment that I'm noticing right now, but it sounds good. It was explained that the reason why the Y-Man's transmission sounds like Senku is because it's a synthesized voice, like a vocaloid, that what or whoever the Y-Man is constructed from, the transmission Senku sent when he talked to the Y-Man and activated the Medusa via radio that sounds cool to me
1: oh like it samples whatever it hears yeah. because it doesn't they didn't want to dedicate any processing power to a pre-recorded voice so it literally just samples whatever it receives and then speaks back that way
0: mm, yeah cool that's really cool yeah um, sounds great to me you know works yeah but um yeah bro What a chapter! Oh my God! What is what happens next chapter? Like I,
2: I, I've
0: been saying I need to see what happens next chapter, like more than any other series in Jump. Like for the last like five or six weeks inside of of Doctor Stone, and it's still that way. Mm -hmm. As crazy as everything else is in Jump right now, Doctor Stone has me the most curious for how this how the story is going to continue. Right,
1: um, I really want to see how things look when the dust settles. Exactly. Like I am really excited for this chapter, and I'm glad we got to start on this one first.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Hell yeah! But I think I'm good on Doctor Stone this week. Did you have anything else you want to say? I
1: think I've said uh, my bit.
0: Great. Okay, getting into Mashal, magic and muscles. Chapter fifty-seven. Mash burn dead, and you look, you lose your life.
1: Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> How do we feel? I thought this was a very in keeping thing. It's a it's a very quick chapter. Mm-hmm. I found it very fast paced. Um I really liked the kind of campy uh mm-hmm. feel of the Mashwell thing because it is high stakes. Yeah. There are stakes there. But in regard to it's the uncertainty of
0: like you don't it's very lighthearted, but you still don't know what's <laughs> going to happen next. You know that Mash is probably going to make it out of this situation alive. He's probably not going mm-hmm. to lose his life in a situation like this. But still at the same time, you don't know what this, this is not a fight. You know what I mean? It's a it's a special game. So there are, are certain ways that obviously um this dude, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, the fire cane sword guy. But like we know that he's got tricks up his sleeve for this thing specifically for Mash or whatever how it, maybe this is how he usually plays this game, who knows? But that level of uncertainty of how this game is going to be played is all the stakes that's really required. I feel like in a series like mash is when you know that mash is just one punch man, essentially like Mm -hmm. any other kind of uncertainty you can fit in the storytelling is, is going to be great for, for those stakes in a gag series essentially. So I respect Komoto a lot or the physical feats that he has ready for Mash to display in these very Mm -hmm. jaw-droppingly shocking ways, you know what I mean, throughout the comedy, you know? So it's a great blend.
1: I thought that this character was really interesting because like, I think the thing I really like about Mashal as a series is that Mm -hmm. they don't do like formulaic length, challenges right they don't do formulaic length challenges so like this is an obstacle this is a test that he has to uh, overcome but it's a very brief window of that obstacle it's a very short obstacle whereas a lot of series any obstacle that they overcome is probably like worked I wouldn't say milked mm-hmm. for three chapters, but like that's the typical length of any obstacle. And I like that this is sort of kind of like a detour mid boss. It feels yeah. like, a, like a side story mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it's still interesting. It's still has stakes. Quest. It still has yeah. impact, but yeah. it's definitely like a side mission.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that.
1: When they do that, um, but... this guy I don't remember his name either, honestly.
0: Uh, man, I'm so mad because he's so sick, and we got his name, and it was like a good name. I'm just going to go back to the last chapter and see. No worries. <laughs> yeah, but keep going, though, whatever you were going to uh, say.
1: So, I thought his character design was very interesting because he's part of, Caldo like, the Gehenna. safety.
0: Yeah, my bad. His name's Caldo. His name? Caldo Gehenna? Yeah, Caldo Gehenna. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So his ability was really interesting to me
0: yes let's talk about that because when we when we actually see it it's the same illustration that we saw inside of rain's black partisan once he goes into his sword cane stance in his third line and he uses the black partisan spell against uh mar uh margaret macaron um literally like maybe six or seven or eight chapters before this when 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 that uh when they're like running up on mash's house and rain intercepts them
1: like, yeah, yeah,
0: it's like that same. We got that beautiful double spread for the black partisan. And then it had this amazing fire bubbly TV static shading, you know, on the, uh, on the, on the, on the flames and sure, whatever that energy was coming off of his, of his swords at the time. I think it was this exact illustration technique.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I'm really glad that you went back and figured out his name because I feel like naming conventions are really important yeah, to characters. Right, especially and in one I,
0: where there's like a family lineage situation mm-hmm. inside of an area. So
1: if you look at his face, his mark, mm-hmm. his lines are twin lines, an X or a cross. Gehenna is in the Bible, it is a small violin in Jerusalem, basically kings of judah sacrificed their children to fire and so that land was cursed considered cursed and his weapon is even a biblical reference like the flaming sword right like the flaming sword of raphael or michael uh, or michael or any other angel and so uh the flaming sword is typically wait um, i remember this
0: because i read a webtoon back in the day called soul cartel which was like mm
2: -hmm. which
0: was like you know judeo-christian um theology but like the shonen version you know what i mean which was basically the story of soul cartel and Raphael was an archangel you know in that story and his weapon was like a flaming rapier it's a
1: classic yes heavenly protector style yeah. weapon um and in like if you just go to like the wikipedia about flaming swords because uh in sumerian mythology the one who wields the flaming sword is the wielder of the flaming sword is who ensures the most perfect safety. The character Gehenna is a part of the safety commission, right? So he wields a flaming sword. He ensures a perfect safety. Um, and the, the the black flames, right? Like it's very Susano. It's very style. Amaterasu. Yeah, flames. I think that's the exact. So I like explanation the tie in to yeah. a most perfect safety with the idea of Gehenna, the history behind that name, and the idea that it is a cursed flame. Yeah, wow. that it is. It probably um, like the idea that perhaps the violence is evil and the violence is cursed, but it is for a greater good. Hmm. Um, which might be the thing, and then I think it's reinforced by the cross on his cheek. Uh, yeah. See, now we've been talking about line designs.
0: We've been talking about line designs inside of inside of our martial analysis and how they sometimes, maybe all the time, in some way that we're not noticing, but but definitely in some situations, like with Abyss Razor, um, or or uh, Abyss Razor, Margaret Macaron, and a couple other examples we can come up with, their their line design is very indicative of what magic they can use. And I think what I said mm-hmm. last week when this character was introduced since we know he's sword magic i thought that the lines coming down in a cross kind of fashion or well we don't know that he's sword magic i actually think that he's like fire magic or whatever 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 it is but
1: because he does have a flame decal on the back of his coat right he does yeah so he's definitely the flame cane. yeah
0: yeah He's he's absolutely the flame cane i think is what they call him but but for some reason my first thought since he's a sword user was that like the slashes were literally just like an x slash that you know sword big sword main characters or just that might be
1: it. it yeah like but that this, might genuinely be it but
0: is he but but like okay but if that's what it is then he's sword magic because like whatever rain is seems to be metal or sword magic related and this dude obviously has more of an affinity for fire but his line design doesn't really um you know save anything about fire to me doesn't and nothing mm-hmm. about fire kind of like jumps out in his line design to me so it's very it's very confusing and like the line design discussion inside of this segment has always been like we feel like like there's obvious examples in some areas and there's not so obvious examples in other areas but i feel like if you're going to have obvious examples in some areas then that means that at least to me right now that all line designs are indicative of magic affinity and we just aren't picking up on some of them is, is what i think
1: I think they're all indicative of something, what they might be indicating may have varying degrees yeah. of like meaningfulness because like there's that bit character where his carrot thing like turns into a bottleneck and his whole thing is enlarging things. Right, right. Um, it's not special. It's yeah. just, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I definitely like the slash thing because he, it's, it's like Roni Kenshin, right? Yes. The close eyed samurai yep. with a slash across his cheek. You know, it's very, his character seems to be put up as kind of, um, A harsh good guy, yeah, is the vibe I'm getting. We get a lot.
0: We get a lot of those. I feel like in in MASH, to a certain degree, there was that Mm -hmm. one dude with like the candle magic, or he did something with candles before this whole tournament thing kind of started, and he seemed to be the one that kind of like saved quote unquote MASH from Order Madel's execution order back when they when he was on trial or whatever. Mm. So you you have a lot of um. I don't want to call him chaotic neutral because I mean like Margaret Macaron definitely feels you know, a little bit more. Oh, he's chaotic neutral. Yeah. Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? like,
1: Completely chaotic. He yeah. doesn't care about his thing. He has a very specific thing. I don't think he's like straight up evil. I've been equating but, him to
0: um to I've been comparing him to Hisoka in the last couple of weeks, honestly. Yeah. He's yeah. got
1: very much Hisoka vibes, mm-hmm. even like his character design, where he is a very buff, masculine man with a lot of very feminine feature yes. additions to that. So yes. I feel like it's more of like the Hisoka thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's
0: a great I didn't even I didn't even bring up that aspect of the comparison in the last couple of weeks either you know what i mean so i'm glad that by but you yeah. just pointed that out too because that's another big one too yeah you know like he is very strong physically there is a dominating alpha male aura coming from him but he is also very um you know like it does have those feminine qualities like his yeah it does you know what i mean like lipstick and all of the other kind of like body positions that komoto gives him, like while he's like you know Having a good time playing music and shit, you know what I mean. It's very, yeah. It feels very. But I love that you're here for this discussion because honestly, like you bringing up that 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 Christian lore reference is like everything. I feel like for this segment, because like we never go into shit like that. Yeah.
1: Because even though it's really small moment, like I think that it really shows. Like I think, um, with you saying that there's multiple swords, I I mean there. Even in Eastern mythology, there are multiple things like mm-hmm. the sword of glory, the sword of right. justice, the sword of hate. You know, yeah. there's multiple swords in Eastern mythology, and I I know that there is a bunch in Western mythology. Like,
0: and I was gonna ask you, you know what I mean? Like, do you know of since you brought up the the the, the Judeo-Christian link, is there any um do you, is as far as you're aware any kind of Greek or Roman counterpart? to the biblical references that you um kind of brought up during this this dude's thing because one thing that i want to say is that we have been talking about obviously when we got the aries chapter inside of the black partisan in the third line for rain now we're you know equating these master canes or these third line users whatever to you know greek mythology because there's 13 master canes there's 13 famous olympic gods you know what i mean or as um Valhalla gods whatever whatever Norse Mm. Greek you know direction you want to take but as far as like the Christianity situation here at least in our um you know in in current or or contemporary reality like Judeo-Christian lore is not mythology yet you know what I mean so if we're going to have Christian references to gods and things like that inside of Mashal I would assume that they're and I don't know you know Komoto who and I don't know the situation in Japan I know a lot of Japan Mm. is Christian you know what I mean? So, I don't know Komoto personally, but I would—I I just want to say right now, I'm having a hard time thinking that he would use a direct Christian mythological link when there's so much Greek and Norse going on kind of in the background. Well,
1: I also think that, like, because, like, you and I being Westerners, we are closer in proximity to, like, Norse or Celtic mm-hmm. um, myth, whereas... For people in Japan, I'm Mm -hmm. not speaking for all of them, of course, but when they're exposed to Western mythos, Christianity is the most accessible of the foreign mythos. And like I I have a very small distinction between like I have almost no distinction between religion and myth Mm -hmm. because your religion is someone else's myth right and their religion is someone else's myth it's right. it's just how it is especially in the, so it's all myth like it's, all mon- religion. it's all yeah, myth the mono especially um,
0: inside of like the monotheistic um faiths mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's either one of you are right or everybody is wrong you know what i yeah. mean so <laughs> it's a
1: it's a hot take yeah <laughs> um, but yeah so the myth of the flaming sword is available in japanese buddhist art nice. um it's a treasure sword and then you mentioned like the 13 canes and wands mm-hmm. um this series mashal the school is based off harry potter right yeah, like hogwarts, hogwarts kind is that, oh, of stuff yeah. which is welsh or tied in primarily to celtic legend mm. which has a thing called the 13 treasures of the island of britain whoa and
0: this uh, number bro hold on
1: Yeah. Numerology is huge in myth. It's it's very special. Um, And what was the first name of the Gehenna guy? Caldo. Caldo with Mm -hmm. a C.
0: K. A. L. D. O. Is what we got in
1: the translation. K. A. E. L. D. O.
0: No, just K. A. L. D. O. Is what we have in the translation. Because
1: I was wondering, because uh, there is one of the three generous men of Britain and his name is Hale h-a-e-l um but basically there is Hale had a sword called uh durnwin white hilt and it was that uh when drawn by a worthy or well-born man maybe of good lineage based Mm. on the series the sword wouldn't blaze with fire Mm. um this is cool, dude. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And that's just surface skimming. myths. Yes. There's a lot to dig into. For that. And I
0: think Amaterasu um. goes back into, at least from what I remember of Naruto conversations back in the day, I think Amaterasu goes back into um, at least Shintoism but i think oh, also i think bunch. yeah because you have um, you have like okami and shit like that but but i think it i think it extends into buddhism to a certain degree as well there might be buddhist lore there was a lot of overlap and yeah.
1: like one sort of led to another mm-hmm. because like buddhism is a bit like confucianism it's just more of a philosophical take on mm-hmm. what was already considered spiritual um and mm-hmm. amaterasu sun god that uh ate up basically burned up the eight-headed snake yamato orochi right right so i know about this lore coming back on my
0: smite shit a little bit lately yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: there's there's a very cleansing aspect to like fire as well so like fire right. swords uh, swords have always been aligned with judgment and burning away um, impurities and things like that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like judgment law fires about taking away impurities or consuming uh i think is really interesting and yeah like it's hard to like really dig into such a very succinct chapter
0: right and i think the most impressive thing which is what i've been talking about inside of komoto's work since we started covering mashal is the feats that he has prepared for MASH to flex mm. in all of these situations. Because what's so cool about this you look you lose game is that MASH wins in all of the physical areas of this game. Mm-hmm. But then he loses on some bullshit at the end for the gag since it's Mashal. And then, you know, that's a great way to kind of like close this off. You know what I mean? It wasn't a serious, this dude wasn't actually trying to kill you. He was testing you. He got dead ass serious throughout the entire thing. And the choreography is amazing. He activated his sword. It got super hectic for a minute. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I was just checking. You know what I'm saying? You're probably going to struggle versus Margaret. All right, bye. You know what I mean? But it did everything it needed to do without it having to come to a very serious, true color showing situation inside of this Caldo guy. it it it, it, there's still a lot more that needs to be done with him mash probably learned something throughout this exchange despite the comedy it just feels really good all around and the choreography once this motherfucker gets serious after the fucking amaterasu sword comes out is just these other these next couple of pages on like 10 and 11 just look and feel so good the dynamic angles that are used the the very um, Japanese choreography inside of like the constant swinging and dodging all on one panel. You got that in there too. You got all Mm -hmm. kinds of amazing background effects and lack thereof throughout the exchange. So it does a lot aesthetically for the feeling of the chapter in my opinion. And that last one, when he digs his feet into the ground and then jumps Mm -hmm. up
1: to dodge the slash while looking down, bro. a superior slapstick. Like I love slapstick body humor, but like it takes something so stupid and silly to be like really serious and kind of Epic. And I really appreciate that in Mashal. Um, I think the art, there's a lot of move. Like I like it because it's framed. He's in a circle. Mm -hmm. He can't move very much. The room is actually pretty sparse and there's only a few people yet at the same time, there's so much movement reaction interaction texture right um impact it feels very doesn't feel yeah like an empty open space it feels very tight Mm, yes and like fill full it feels like a very full scene absolutely um i have a theory that caldo is basically in cahoots with rain Because they are kind of in the same spheres of influence and they probably share a lot of similar interests or values. Right. Well, especially
0: inside of the fact that this dude has a legitimate sword on his hip and that he Mm -hmm. infuses with magic, we can guess. And then Rain, you know, doesn't have a sword on his hip. But conjures swords inside of his magic spells. So they have a lot in common in that regard. And then also they have the same kind of illustration particle effect kind of of of, of aesthetic to their serious spells. You know what I mean? So they gotta be boys.
1: I think they're I mean? friends. Yeah, um, I love I that. think because like in a lot of eastern manga art that I've seen, mm-hmm. Eastern manga art, it's all me. <laughs> but like uh bleach's gin right yeah, yeah. the fox-eyed man looks like gin he looks like Gin. Where he, he yes. looks like gin. uh yeah. like even when he's attacking them he has that kind of like close-eyed joker looking vibe to him it's because it's all about like you know being sneaky and inscrutable mm-hmm. and unreadable mm-hmm. and like being it's the idea of doubt because it's considered like physically, it's considered like a negative trait, Mm -hmm. um, aesthetically for a lot of people, like people Mm -hmm. get made up fun of for that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, right? Which is a shame. Um, but I think he's kind of like a gin, gin character where he's not super overt, but he is rain's ally and he might be checking in on mash measuring him, but also getting him into the zone, right? Like, right. You're fighting Margaret. You might be tough, and I and I trust Rain's assessment, but I need you to pull out your A game, or you're not going to survive this guy. Yes. This is Hisoka. Like, you're. This is our version of Ahsoka. Like, we need. He's one of, and he's been like Margaret has been hyped up as a like a very dangerous contender right who doesn't play by anyone's rules and isn't done until he's satisfied
0: and that's what i was talking about a little bit in previous weeks about how margaret is being built up more than any antagonist before him versus genuinely, yeah you know what i mean apart from abel where you kind of had a first clash that ended up being a second clash and then he took him out before that the, the antagonists are always, they're, they're built up very much like One Punch Man, where the antagonist is introduced, they talk mm-hmm. their shit, they show how strong they are, other people get whooped, and then MASH pulls up, and then strong arms them, you know what I mean? By the end yeah. of that first interaction, mm-hmm. that character is cooked by MASH, you know what I mean? But inside of Margaret- Even the
1: painless guy.
0: Yeah, inside, but inside of Margaret, though, like you have um, way different situations with him going into this matchup with MASH. You have him versus another Master Kane. You have him versus- Dialogue-wise, like like intellectually, other characters like Order Madel and that weird dude who he like flicked away when he tried to interfere. You know, with his fight, you have all of these scenes with Margaret before he encounters Mash that builds up the stakes Mm -hmm. revolving around his character. Then you add the hisoka aspect to it and it's like hisoka was a monster in hunter hunter you could not do anything to that man until he was all spoke yeah exactly you know what i mean and he always won in very satisfying understandable ways and it just showed that skill and that um tier that that hisoka existed in inside of hunter hunter so when you Bring that atmosphere to Mashal inside of Margaret Macaron. It, at least for me as a Hunter Hunter fan, and and probably anybody else who made that link, it does a lot for the tension and the stakes going into this fight. I mean, it is still Mashal, so there is a lot that we can expect from this. Like it could be Mash struggles a little bit and then hilariously wins. I hope not. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, that possibility is still there because it is Mashal. But as far as right now is concerned, this feels really
1: really cool inside of this series so it's a great build up um someone once told me that the way you know a bad guy is impactful is the number of dudes you have to go through to get to him yes and so with like abel he had a bunch of dudes that you had to get through to get to him but like this is a little different with Macron, but It's still story wise, still set up that way. The the difference with Macaron,
0: I feel like, versus Abel, is that Abel was very reliant on, um, you know, was very reliant on the whole royal aspect of things and just being better than people because you were blessed with the magic that you have. Margaret doesn't really feel like that at all. He feels very much like a go getter, hard work, you know, training. He seems more like Mash. Yeah, I think that
1: he's a great match against Mash because mm-hmm. he's dedicated yes to whatever he believes in and he
0: understands power and skill it's not this ivory tower looking down i'm the shit mm-hmm. no one can fuck with me because my magic is broken I mean, M- Margaret's magic could be broken, but all we've seen him fucking do is kind of basic shit that's been kind of dressed up with this amazing, you know, illustrative composition of the scene. But he hasn't really done anything crazy magic wise. You know, what he I hasn't mean? flexed. He hasn't truly flexed yet. And obviously, it's because they're saving it for here. But like, this is different in MASH and it feels mm-hmm. really fucking good, dude.
1: This is, I think Macron is going to be one of the more nuanced villains like i know i joked about it earlier saying like oh yeah any obstacle you have you're gonna have for three chapters but i genuinely think they're gonna take all three chapters at least and fill it to the brim yes like this chapter
0: yeah i would love Um, for this fight because i think i think mash's biggest 1v1 fight where there seemed to be you know an intense struggle on both sides um to a certain degree was mash versus abyss razor and as as, as big of an obstacle as Abel was, I still feel like the Abyss Razor versus MASH fight was more compelling than, you know, than MASH versus Abel, you know what I mean? So all of that considered, I feel like there are things from every single conflict that MASH has ever had that are going to be taken from those moments and put into this Margaret conflict. We're going to see everything that has been great about the series so far, maybe even including the comedy inside of this next fight so i would love for it to last longer than the abyss razor fight at least because i feel like the oh, Abyss yeah. razor fight was longer than the able fight chapter wise i can't remember exactly but either way like that abyss razor situation was like the biggest moment for me so far in regards high to impact. mash struggle yeah yeah
1: really high impact mm-hmm. um i like that this fight is one of the first public 1v1 mm-hmm. because dealing with Abel and all his cronies that was all you know backdoor yes. second off hallway kind yeah. of you know hidden fights abyss razor that was an assassination attempt yes you know? it was like a lot of those things like uh, like getting attacked in the the aviary the mm-hmm. bird place where yeah. uh, the gear guy attacked them mm-hmm. with the chakrams um, it's all been hidden in the dark and this is the first in the light for everyone to see fight no tricks no hostages just straight up we know the stakes we're gonna compete Mm -hmm. we're both very motivated to succeed and this has been for our own
0: reasons brilliantly before Mm -hmm. so it's like yes And I love the announcer here. Let's move on to the first matchup, Mashburn Dead versus Margaret Macaron. I just love tournament announcers and Shonen Manga. Mm -hmm. That just always sets the mood so properly for situations like this. And like these last couple of pages, like just reestablishing Margaret's motivations going into the conflict. You have one purpose in life, and that's to provide me with the thrill I seek. This is all that his character has been talking about the entire time. So just one more reiteration before the fight continues or before the fight starts. And it's just the perfect setup, literally.
1: And then MASH's classic kind of dry humor. Yeah. Um, One thing I wanted to say about uh, Macaron, mm-hmm. uh, having both feminine and masculine traits, mm-hmm. like Ahsoka, um, it's just a very classical transgressing antagonist and i think that those aspects are pushed on characters um to kind of symbolize physically that they transgress boundaries that are like because like japan is a typically fairly strict in the sort of gender roles that exist so so by having a character that transgresses Mm -hmm. they are showing that this character outwardly um is willing to cross borders to break rules to literally just set their own standard yeah. for what they want and based off behavior that holds true yeah um, this scene this 1819 uh, this is the first time it really feels like um, a tournament arc yes you know yes most tournament arcs it feels like a tournament arc all the way through and right. like, you know it can kind of drag
2: mm-hmm.
1: whereas this has been like oh hey you know
0: yeah. All of the all of the tournament arc stuff in the beginning that feels like it drags until the final competition mm-hmm. has been replaced by non combat centric um
1: obstacles. Puzzles. Puzzles, yeah. you
0: know what I mean? And that's a cool and way to go to go about it. Yeah.
1: I like how they used environment. They use the forest, they use underground caverns, and now and it's just the those platform. are both final destination,
0: things. no items. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Final destination, no items. Like we're no longer in the the fight pit at Hyrule Temple. Let's go. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh man. Yeah, dude. I'm I I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens oh, yeah. in this fight. Because I want to see how he uses magic. Yes. Does he use tempo? Like does he use tempo because he's music? Right. Can he try to draw his enemy in? to a sort of tempo and do kind of like a, like a duet style music and try mm. to just control the pace and it's like, I don't care how strong you are, if you get drawn into my pace, into my music right. then you're never going to hit me and I'll control you the entire fight. Man, Not directly, but like physically. That's,
0: that's a good um, thing to bring up is how this fight will go given the lack of abilities or named attacks or just the you know bag that that margaret has of magic we haven't really seen that to a huge degree and music is such a broad medium in regard to Mm -hmm. you know all of its respects that as far as creativity goes inside of this fictional element of incorporating music into your magic we could see a wide variety of spells that have all kinds of effects that are attributed back to areas of music that regular people might not have ever heard before so if komoto is a big music buff studying you know kind of, of person or even if he wasn't and he wanted to go to the extent of studying it for the sake of this character mm-hmm. i wouldn't put it past him and i'm so excited to see what this motherfucker has in his bag because it could be anything
1: it's really hard to predict because he's so good with uh his bag of tricks of like superior but physical slapstick right like his like supreme slapstick you know of like just literally sticking his feet in boulders and doing (laughs) a backflip like you still don't expect that right Right. to like overcome the limits imposed in that way through brute force
0: wow that's a great point because the point that i just made about margaret having this seemingly limitless bag of possibilities inside of his music I really magic. I want to
1: see what Komodo can do now. But like... now
0: MASH has that exact same kind of um oceanic, ocean-sized bag, mm. you know what I mean, of physical feats that Komodo can give him. You know what I mean? So we're, we're never going to feel like we've seen everything MASH can do. So when he's going up against an opponent that has such a wide range of potential spells inside of a music-based magic affinity it's like this might be the tightest shit we ever seen in mash right? so far and 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 it, and it makes sense for the situation you know what i mean
1: is but. margaret gonna have scales of notes denote scales of powers that slowly like do chord progressions to the point that like uh like a s like a hunter x hunter's cyclonic ripper where it just ratchets yeah. up after chord after chord after chord and crescendo just boom, massive power like, I, I want to see stuff like that. Yo, I love that. And I, then I also want to see M.A.S.H. just, like, I don't know, brute force drum the ground and drown him out or <gasps> something.
0: Yo, if it's vibrational, M.A.S.H. has count good counters for that.
1: What if, if he just straight up yells? <laughs> Do, like, an Uvogin type thing and just
0: yell at him. Okay, so, the, okay. So, I'm going to shout out Kiko right now because in our One Piece reviews, when Apu's ability was being fleshed out by oda in regards to how you counter it by not hearing it and things like that Kiko had you know this this brilliant idea for apu's character that since he has such an easy to counter devil fruit in regard to you just have to plug your ears in order to not be affected by the um unavoidable damage that comes from it um Kiko had an amazing idea that to kind of supplement that counter, that very obvious counter, once you have it and you know it, you just beat Apu. That seems a little bit too much for a supernova on, you know, inside of the same echelon as Zoro and Killer and Kid and Law and Luffy. So there had to be a secondary trump card kind of um, answer to that that Apu could have. And what Kiko's idea for that was that he kind of did, um, you know, similar to like what Black Bolt does in Marvel Comics where he has... You know, the quasi-sonic voice and everything is vibrational inside of his, his, mm-hmm. his power, and then he can turn that into physical strength, like vibra- So basically Kiko was saying that, like a tuning fork, Apu would have a vibrational, localized fighting style around, like, vibrating or using, you know, some kind of vibrational- fighting style where he hits you and then it does extra damage because of vibrations or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, so going back into Margaret, if Margaret is going to be using these active sound based projectile type attacks, and maybe it does behave the same way as Apu's kind of shit does and You have to plug your ears. I don't really see it going that way, but if it does turn into a situation where mash can drown out that magic with his own vibrations, then I could see Margaret retreating back into a more like flowing red scale inside of mm. um, Choso from Jujutsu Kaisen where you stop trying to use magic outside of your body or uh, blood outside of his body and starts focusing on the blood inside of his body. I can see a switch in strategy Ooh. kind of um, like that because, because MASH, I could totally see him just shouting loud as fuck and stopping any kind of sound-based, wave-based cone attacks that you know that margaret could have so where he would just go all right well fuck it then flowing you know music version of flowing red scale you know what i, I mean,
1: mean like music a is technique. just yeah. vibrating air right um like uh it reminds me of the earthquake kid from my hero academia in the previous chapter oh
0: sure Shindo, um does.
1: where it has seismic Abilities, and mm. I just I could imagine that macaron like I don't know, uses his magic to amplify the beating of his own heart to drop the bass and th- fill oh. his body with like vibrations, and so he just yes. like, boom, 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 boom. You've got me excited. You've got yeah. me excited. Let's go. Yes.
0: Brr. And it's just like Margaret's version of like Gear Second Luffy, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like a sound vibration based increase to innate physical capabilities of some kind like a doping technique to some degree yeah
1: and that's just stuff we've seen in other series exactly like i just don't know what that's going to be like because for a character as hyped up as Margaret there's almost no information about him (laughs) like like we understand his personality we understand where he physically came from we Mm -hmm. understand his philosophy i have no idea what his magic does besides music yeah that's it and we've seen a couple examples
0: and it doesn't really tell us a lot you know
1: what i mean he plays his cards close to the vest and i feel like he's going to start doling out successively harder to deal with magic he's like oh you can deal with that then this song can go on. Let's kick it up a notch. And I, yeah. I'm I'm just waiting for that to happen.
0: Love that. Hell yeah, man. Super excited, bro. But yeah, I think that's it for, for Mashal this week. Did you have anything else?
1: I think I've covered everything I wanted to say.
0: Hell yeah, man. All right, getting into Black Clover, chapter 288, Manifest. And for a very straightforward action chapter, um, this was great. This was great. and And I know that I've been um, really big about Tabata's um, writing inside of the flashbacks for Noct and Jack and these little breaks that we get from, you know, how high octane this raid has been. I've appreciated that. I feel like that's run its course adequately. We can get back to the action here. And for this chapter focusing around Asta and him dealing with these devils, I think that it was very well um, directed as far as the art goes. I mean. A lot of Black Clover fights in, in regard to Asta are really just, you know, him cutting through and dodging, you know, enemy AoEs. So there, isn't, there, there aren't too many layers of strategy usually there. But one thing that I want to point out is that I think it's cool that once Asta kind of like noticed an overwhelming presence inside of these devils, he pulled out the appropriate sword to kind of negate mm-hmm. that overwhelming um, situation. You know, and it was definitely something that they weren't prepared for. And he took advantage of that moment, you know, of confusion to do what he does in the, in the, in the final part of the chapter. So as far as strategy goes, that feels great. You know what I mean? Um, I I don't expect too much, you know, really deep combat strategy in, in, inside of Black Clover, at least just inside of my understanding of the series. So when I see it in very obvious moments like this, it feels really good for me. You know what I mean?
1: I feel like. Asta is sort of um, His character isn't really meant to be like super in-depth combat wise because like his his whole thing is that he simplifies the complex Convoluted world of magic sure and that his solution really is straightforward simple yeah. and this so he had strength
0: and then having a menagerie of weapons that give varying effects for whatever situation he might find himself in he does train he does have a level of skill yeah. that he brings he to has situation. discipline he has discipline has power
1: Absolutely. he has a lot of things that we all want out of heroes right um he doesn't have like the rave master number of swords but you know it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a relatively or the god of high school stories, number Swords inside young, of yumi Rock. yeah it's got a lot of room we you know he might catch up there yeah. i think that'd be really interesting um i think it'd probably be like six or maybe seven just because of how i view numbers like mm-hmm. numerology in series plus like you know if you name if you write down on a piece of paper ten powers that you would want a specific character to have it's hard yeah the first five are easy and then the <laughs> last eight are hard like yeah. the last few are hard yeah. yeah um so you know six is a really nice number for that um yeah that's good i love Finroll. I,
0: I think this is Finroll in the beginning um in the in the first page when he's like so he went up ahead on his own good grief like mm-hmm. it's because he gave him the portal to bounce through to reach the Absolutely. destination that he was trying to go to, but I think it's cool how it doesn't show Finral's like whole face. I don't know if that's because of you know the the dimensions that they were able to work with, or because that was like an art you know an artistic thing that Tabata wanted. I, personally, I I think that this says Finral is going to be showing up at the next moment of um you know down on luck chips down kind of mm. moment. We'll see you know kind of at least that's what this first panel with just showing like from the nose down that is mm-hmm. just like and i don't want to say ominous but it's just like it feels like there's more to it it's a touch, of foreshadowing. This, yeah, a touch of foreshadowing yeah he's not the focus
1: of it but yeah. like he's still on the scene he's making mm-hmm. comment on it he's probably gonna show up and like use his spatial magic to like swap positions of the twins after mm. one of them is like I have held him down and I'll stab him and just swaps places with oh, him. And, so, shit. And, st- and then Asta is like there and then the devil like stabs its brother or yeah. sister um, so yeah. I'm imagining he's gonna do something That'd like that sick. or like get other backup where he picks up Jack or gets knocked out of the way yeah. that kind of thing um but like i don't think he's going to be discounted in this series i think he's because he's one of the few mages that's still standing right throughout this entire thing like i mean he's got he's got
0: the best positioning you know what i mean like yeah he doesn't have any real damage in his magic he's like a tried and true support type so as far as you know battleground positioning goes he's probably it's probably ingrained in his fighting style to mm-hmm. stay at a safe distance from danger
1: he's yeah. a, he's a pure utilitarian like yeah. his combat is aiding others mm-hmm. um the thing i have to say about this chapter is that i really appreciate all the like the spreads there are yes. like two back-to-back there's spreads three,
0: four, there's three back-to-back spreads oh wait yeah, no no, there's, no, no, no. So... there's two back-to-back my bad my bad
1: it feels like two back-to-back spreads and mm-hmm. then uh it's just really heavy yeah. i i I really like it um and the airy I liked the contrast of like the really airyness of the two twins mm-hmm. and how they were kind of like ephemeral and hiding within the elements and shifting mm-hmm. and fluid and kind of like not really there and then after he uses uh demon destroyer it makes their forms really harshly defined yeah right it, it negates it takes the away fire all of that aoe stuff that they and had you just see
0: yeah then you just see them that's tight it,
1: because like the reason they were winning was yeah. because they're causing all this
0: environmental aoe damage.
1: environmental attacks yeah. and then using their magic to teleport within their favored element right and because they're demons because they're creatures of magic it's fluid it feels natural to them Mm -hmm. and i like how demon destroyer has been used as a form of crowd control yeah and has stripped them of their ability to blink and phase out of the way of harm right
0: because they don't have that environmental buff that kind of um gives them that, you know, environmental advantage that they can, you know, travel and, and swim through similar to, um, I don't know. We he wiped the board. The yeah. There's no
1: attack for them to surf. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and I really, I really liked it. I was like, I was like, you know what, that's a really nice tactical advantage. Yeah. Um, I liked the intro, like the zoom in on page six of uh, Nama and Lilith. I like that they're named this time. Right. Like yeah. Their, so we got I like the names the cruelty of their faces.
0: Yeah. That adds right. Like the, the, the na- na- getting the names for them, I feel like does a lot, not a lot, but it does more for their characters, mm-hmm. at least in my eyes than I had before. I don't know what the names do, but just knowing that they have names just adds depth that wasn't
1: there it's character it's literally character and especially with like the myths of deaths demons and devils Mm -hmm. knowing one's name gain gives you a little bit of power over it and i like that uh uh liba uh recognizes them
0: right that's that's the whole thing because i didn't give a fuck about these devils you know at all like and i've been talking about it in our reviews you know what i mean they're they're literally just physical magical obstacles
1: fire that, and that, ice yeah, twins.
0: right that never really like that and, and i and i know that they aren't really meant to you know be humanized or for us to have any kind of reason to care about them up until this point but at least for me personally seeing their names and seeing that libe You know, recognizes them, if you're going to introduce threats like these that are all just destroy everything, kill, no personality, kill, kill, destroy, burn, Mm -hmm. freeze, you know what I mean? If you're going to have things like that be an obstacle, you know what I mean? Then a great way to add depth is to give them history with a character, you know what I mean? And obviously it makes sense that Libe knows them and you probably could have assumed that he did. I didn't. So this is a cool surprise for me you know, to see this recognition, you know, from Libe and just without any further exposition or flashback or anything, I just care more about these Devils as characters, because I know that that history is there, whether we have the explanation of it or not. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah,
1: like with dealing with the Spade Kingdom, they're like all of these devils are suddenly enhancing these specific mages. And where do they come from? What are their names? What? There's nothing that we knew about them. But with the introduction of Noct and Liba knowing Nama and Lilith that sort of fleshes that out like that's unknown territory suddenly being illuminated right and given more physical distinction as opposed to more of like the nebulous fear of the unknown that we've been having of yeah. these devils mm-hmm. um i yeah it makes it I a little like bit more it. personal um, yeah it the name and like i said names are very important when it comes to stories like uh you know kakashi means scarecrow he looked like one yeah. you know i thought that was very fitting yes sir um but like liba and knocked they're both german mm-hmm. like liba literally means love yeah i think I remember like his someone name means love yeah. and he is motivated by love turned into hatred but like uh, still motivated. Um, Lilith is the first woman, and Nama is like a sixth-generation descendant of Cain from the Bible. And mm, so more, that more tech... more
0: of this Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. lore in because jump. it's available. Yeah. It's available,
1: mm-hmm. um, like uh, especially in Black Clover, the whole Kabbalah, right? That giant, you know, Sephirot tablet thing. Mm-hmm. That's in that borrows hebrew judaic uh myth and symbolism uh mm-hmm. and so i like the kind of idea that they are keeping with the names of devils and demons kind of being on a sort of a theme mm-hmm. um with the nama and Lilith. It, i love that part of me doesn't get it because look these are twins, you know, like they seem to be equals in age and oh, power. Oh, sure. Yeah. But like Lilith is prior to Eve, who oh, is the wow. parent of and like Adam and Eve are the parents of Cain, Abel and Seth, right? Right. Uh so it's kind of it, I knew Cain and Abel, I didn't means- know
0: Seth was involved there. I thought Seth was like Egyptian or some shit, but I'm sure yeah. that there's tons of overlap inside of these oh, base, yeah. you know what I mean? So I just uh, never heard of of of. I I was raised, you know, Roman Catholic, so there's I, I and my mom would like make me read, you know, Bible stuff like when I was younger. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm mm-hmm. relatively familiar with with uh, some Seth of the lore, like but i never dude. heard of Seth in inside of that Cain and Abel stuff. I'm sure it's there.
1: Oh, he's actually just... born after Cain kills his brother uh, and is exiled, and so it's more of oh no, a tragedy within the family. Mm-hmm. Don't worry the god's chosen lineage lives on. Old, lineage.
0: Old Testament like lore is like some of the easiest to turn into like fantasy fiction because it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's so it's
1: out there. Yeah, it's so um, um
0: it has so many of the 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 fiction, you know, storytelling elements that we're familiar with yeah. inside of it. You know what I mean? So I like that.
1: Like Seth is like Noah's lineage. Yeah. Whereas uh Cain is where Nama comes from and a couple others, really cool. uh, which I think is really interesting, because, like, Cain was the evil descendant. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, Lilith being a name thing, uh, Lilith is a really interesting one, just because it's such an iconic full name, mm-hmm. because even in its own original myth, the name Lilith, um, she, uh, Adam wanted Lilith to be subordinate to him. To obey him and she wanted to be an equal and was cast out of the Garden of Eden and then Eve was made from Adam so that she would be subordinate Mm. so like she Lilith is the first demon technically in like Judeo myth like like the serpent or Satan and stuff he teamed up with Lilith after the Garden of Eden eventually like
0: that's so but... cool to think about cuz like now that I'm thinking about it it's like there's a lot of Norse um you know stuff inside of Black Clover and mm-hmm. like I'm not like wildly you know familiar with um with Norse you know mythology despite my interest in mythology in in high school and the fact that I play you know games centered around Greek and Norse myth mm-hmm. but like just my retention for it is just like not as high as things like comic books and manga but the the point that I'm making is that um The point that I'm making is that there's so much Norse, you know, stuff going on inside of Black Clover that whenever there's, you know, Christian or Buddhist overlap, you know, inside of it, it's it's hard for me personally to notice because I'm just so... Um, I'm just thinking so Norse about it. You know what I mean? Whether whether mm-hmm. I understand the references that I think I'm seeing or not, that's just the the atmosphere that I familiarize You're myself with. Seeing it through the lens exactly. of like the stuff that you've consumed. Yeah, but then yeah. with you here, you know what I mean? Like you look into um, you know naming conventions inside of fiction and. You know things like that a lot more than we do you know what i mean so i'm glad once again to have you here for this conversation because <laughs> i feel like this week in jump is filled with names you know what I- that it really mean is a lot you know to to certain cultures you know what i mean so i just it's it's, it's great to have you here for this for this one-on-one Thank for you. this week specifically i mean it'd be great to have you here regardless but i mean like right now like this is just a a, a dynamic that i feel like we don't have very often on this
1: show yeah you know what i mean so um let's see because like a lot of characters have been introduced Mm -hmm. like a ton of new characters have been introduced recently in the black Mm -hmm. clover universe with all the devils that serve noct and all them uh which is interesting because i love i love these kind of like characterization of devils i want to see more of those dudes yeah and i want to see if some of them have died yeah like if those minor devils have died in the thing another
0: thing that i another thing that i want just to cut you off real quick here another thing that i that i want to think about or that i that i don't really think about is are there a lot of devils like specifically devils in like norse lore greek lore you know what i mean like inside of their mythologies i feel like there might be other names for a similar kind of situation inside of the lore but like devils specifically in the way that they're kind of being talked about is a very you know judaic thing i feel like it it's, really is. is but it's and, which contrasts in that yeah which contrasts with like the, the 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 um verbal at least inside of the writing of black clover the lore that we've gotten and the names and everything feel a lot more greek and norse by and large and then you kind of like throw the judaic like devil aspect on top of it and i'm wondering if this is like a if this is a um, a blend that's done on purpose, or if there is legitimate like double overlap lore inside of. You know, inside of um Norse and Greek mythology, that's just the question that I kind of had there because I don't remember them talking about devils, the actual word devil and no, like any in Greek my or Norse mind myth that I've it seen. doesn't yeah, yeah
1: um Norse and Greek mythology actually their pantheons are like really personable, right mm-hmm. like they're very flawed in their right. ways uh they're very human, so like mm-hmm. like there's giants and ghosts and yeah. you know abominations, but they're not like. Specifically, devils, they're just hideous dudes, right? You know, exactly. I, I like, know that there's other things that they
0: call up, you know, monstrous abominations like that in their Lord, yeah. but I just do not remember they that don't have devil, the devil word. Yeah, um,
1: like in like Islamic and Hebrew culture, um, there's a word called chaitan, where mm. it's the root of Satan, it translates in, um, uh. <sighs> Arabic or Muslim, uh, it basically means uh, the adversary. Okay. It it's a title to a name, nice. and so when like, an like Western European Christians latched onto that name, they developed a whole iconic devil series mm. with that. Because like the I mean, same was, cool. was a, tra- was a shapeshifter.
0: <laughs> oh sure. It was, a
1: shapesh- it was an angel initially mm. that could shapeshift and deal with problems that way. Wow. it was never like a devil, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. more of a uh, more recent. In that's what I'm thinking. Of Christianity. It's a yeah. more recent construction. Right.
0: That's what um, I was thinking. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I don't remember none of that. So, but I'm also, because we didn't expert,
1: have the so. devil. We didn't have um like the devil and pitchfork until mm-hmm. we had stuff like Dante's Inferno mm-hmm. and like a lot of like, the catholic brimstone and fire inferno type stories that right. grew out of that right hell yeah um last thing
0: i guess that i have for black clover this week is they're putting a lot of emphasis on the design of the demon um destroy demon dwell, demon destroyer sword so i'm thinking that um and i actually googled it actually i pulled it up a little bit ago i'm just gonna pull it back up demon Destroyer sword, swear to God, there's a different, yeah, dude, there's a way different design on this now, because now we have this, like, circular situation, like, if you, if you Google Demon Destroyer sword in Google, you'll see the original design of it, it's got a way different cross guard, or whatever that's called, it's got a way different, like, hilt, I want to say, too, almost at least from yeah. what i'm seeing and, um, and i feel like this is because of devil union i feel like the devil union is giving and i i, I feel like i want to go back i, I, I don't know it does change Actually, because
1: it has um, yeah. like a circular part of the cross guard with like needles pointing in, which yeah. is um, like a crosshair it's like a torture it's like a torture implement. Oh like a, a, a spiked inverse spiked collar that if you move against the collar it stabs you. Uh. Because they use that stuff in like the things like the Spanish Inquisition oh, shit. or medieval in times when they tortured people. Um and like he's a devil, he's you know about suffering and inflicting suffering. Uh, so like the torture implements cause he's fusing with it I think is a nice touch. Um, I love that. One of the the details that I noticed, um, so on chapter, uh, not chapter, this, uh, page five, on page four, he's shown holding one sword, and on the chest, there is the pentacle. So, scrap what I said about earlier, six or seven swords. I believe there's five, um, because there's a pentacle thing, and one of the pentacle's legs is opened up. The little hatch, it's turned into a circle. Yeah. And then, on page 14 of the double spread, he's using Demon Destroyer, and two of those hatches are in full circle. Wait, 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 so, wait,
2: wait, wait, no! You <laughs>
1: uh Whoa, yeah, so wait, I didn't see this! Swords. No! Yeah. <laughs> they they got us with so much flash and focus on the fight, and like they've wowed us at the double spread. But there's hidden details in there. No. So kudos to Tabata,
0: dude. That's great, bro. Okay, so we know he has Demon Slayer, Demon Dweller, Demon Destroyer. Now he has Demon Slicer from Yami.
1: There's so another. He has so he, so there's four. One more form.
0: And then yes, bro, bro. Oh
1: maybe a sixth form that like combines all of them where they just fuse into a thing and it's just a black star (laughs) oh my god i don't know so five theoretically maybe six just because i want to be right in the post but uh (laughs) black clover fans if you notice this visual
0: storytelling inside of his chest emblem as he uses swords Please let us know in the comments section because this is fucking cool. Is
1: this a new development just because the devil union or has this been a thing that has been sprinkled throughout the series? Dude,
0: I can't believe Um, the first time his chest sigil is shown just mm because he has one sword out or he has one or I don't even know because he's only wielding one at a time isn't he oh no 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 no, no. he has demon slayer and demon destroyer in hand as the two things are
1: twin swords so i was just like wait a second because i was looking at the hilt and stuff yeah um i like that as it comes out of the book it has the classic demon destroyer art but when he grabs it it's modified by the devil union. Cause like, even in the same page, you are like, hey, the the shape has changed. I'm like, you know what? The shape really has changed.
0: And it didn't, and
1: it Um, wasn't, Yo, as he pulls out of the book, it's normal. Wait, 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 this is so
0: awesome right now. Oh my God. This this double spread where he has both of them in hand and the the, the two things on his chest are circles. That is one of the coolest spots that i've seen in these black clover conversations bro for real
1: and i think because even the uh art of the clover on the tip of the sword is different from page 13 to page uh 15 so like if you look at as he touches it it still has like that spiked inverse collar look and then it has a spiked um clover stem yeah. But when you look at the clover stem in 15, it looks like a regular one. Yeah. And a little that bit. spike, I don't and know if it's because of the
0: distance, but I, I feel like if I look closely at it, you can still see that the clover does kind of like come down spiked a little bit. Okay. But it's not as too sure. drastic. Yeah. It's very, I, I can tell that it's very easy to miss. I think it's just a distance
1: thing in yeah. this respect. So I think maybe yeah. the spikes are. Um, Shape shifting, like it's it's just speed. It's literally yeah, just taking that form. Shackle area, Mm -hmm. Um, but still the circle. It's very much a shackle. Um it reminds me of um, those things that they stick people's heads in with their wrists a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wooden blocks, things, the the wood, yeah, stocks. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of that. I'm still getting vibes from that. I like like the contrast of on 15 where the devils are finally affected by the thing, and there's no extra detail, and they're shown so clearly.
0: Yeah, they're just so naked is what it feels like, you know what I mean? Kind of like going back into what you were saying about how it's this crowd control effect where the demon destroyer sword is coming out and clearing all of that environmental influence that Mm -hmm. the devils have, and just reducing them to their raw states, you know what I mean, where you can clearly see exactly what their shapes are, and I feel like this is a very amazing creative choice by Tabata to show the scene in this very um, blank panel, where there's no detail in the background, there's literally no background at all, it's just stark whites and blacks, with very little shading pretty much everywhere else, it just feels very clean, naked, and pure, which is exactly... The 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 effect that Tabata was going for there, and I think that they seem the very government. vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. They seem very Make vulnerable. It. This was the the best choice that Tabata could take for this um, this scene. You know that he wants. Yeah, to convey.
1: normally I'm against scenes like this for those facets, mm-hmm. but I think for in the case of like framing for this particular like reversal. Yeah very fitting i think this is a sign because like i know some people on twitter are gonna hate me but like <laughs> i have a lot of gripes occasionally with black clover i just have different tastes oh yeah oh, it's a dude, good series it's, it's a great Konga, series, we, yeah, a great series. A great We've series. been here
0: since the beginning of it but like we have our issues with it and we're very but the things that i
1: right find here. really satisfying isn't always found in that um And i think this is a really great sign of growth from tabata because i feel like he he has grown a lot just from the spade kingdom arc alone because i feel like there's a lot to praise that has just been steadily coming out yeah recently
0: yeah for Um, sure he's been turning the fuck up in this arc despite the issues that we've that we bring up in review there are a lot of situations where I feel like Black Clover will come out with a chapter that will impress me in all of these ways. And then there will be just one thing that I have to bring up as a criticism that just didn't feel right to me in like every chapter where it feels like I have really no complaints in almost everything else that we review most of the time. I'm not going to say that I have zero complaints for Jujutsu Kaisen, Dr. Stone and everything else because we have verbalized some issues that we've had at least in the moment when talking about it. Who knows if those are actual issues or if we just missed details you know that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that that made us think these things. But anyway, the point is, by and large, we have the most things to complain about inside of Black Clover, historically. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy this series. And that could yeah. mean that we just don't understand it to the degree that we should. Do we care enough to go back through it another time and find that understanding? Me, personally, not really. And that's not a fault of Tabata or Black Clover inherently. No. That's just a personal thing. You know what I mean? But either way i like you know what i'm saying we fuck with black clover you mm-hmm. know so
1: i think it's shown a lot of growth because like yeah. uh when they were dealing with the giant twin right like the twin ogres when they're dealing with the godzilla ogres right. and the fights were super clustered and chaotic and it was hard to really decipher page 10 and 11 the double spread for that even though it's all chaotic mm-hmm. and there is like almost a where's waldo-esque effect <laughs> yeah. of like the twins hiding within their own environmental magics right it's so clear it's so yeah. crisp it's framed really well i love how they angled the eyes yes. to kind of frame and bookend the entire series like the entire pit double spread mm. at the top and then having asta slowly um make like a cut and as you follow Asta through the double spread, he is doing like you follow him in the same trajectory as the blow he's landing. This right. is huge yes, compared it is. to like the previous ogre fight. Like we I think like any complaints say. I had about the ogre fight yeah. are completely blown away in this moment where right. it's just like this is gross. Yeah. And absolutely. I'm really happy to see it.
0: Yeah, we had a lot to say about the ogre demon you know double spreads when those when that chapter came out
2: mm-hmm. and
0: like tabach has never had an issue in that area as far as choreography goes just despite how you feel about strategic depth in black clover fights compared to you know other you know fight uh or, or um action inside of jump or whatever you know what i mean the one thing that you can say is that tablet knows how to draw action You know what I mean? And it's very aesthetically pleasing in, like, every area as far as shading goes, contrast, Mm -hmm. um, anatomy, um, you know what I mean, positioning, um, angles. I think his texture has increased just because
1: of how many AoE magic battles and tech things, like like the blood magic that the Dark Triad used. Like, you know, he's experienced with so many different textures right now. And I think that's, like that's a lot. Another thing in. that's
0: very impressive from Tabata is that he he understands that this is a very elemental energy system. You know what I mean? So, when you have these huge AoEs that belong to so many different elemental or or just magic based affinities, mercury magic, blood magic, shadow magic, light magic, you have such a huge array of of diverse magic that have their own distinct forms, colors, textures, and Tabata has all of that stuff down pat you're i'm never confused really by what's happening inside of black clover action no matter how big the aoe's get but then you go Mm -hmm. over to something like my hero academia and we've made complaints inside of our my hero academia reviews that kohei by and large throughout the series is getting a little a lot better and we're seeing growth inside of kohei in regard to his action um illustration because it's back in the day there's a lot of fire and ice being used, there's a lot of wind, there's a lot of elemental situations inside of My Hero mm-hmm. Academia, but it felt like Kohei didn't know how to let those those panels breathe, and it was hard to really follow the action in early My Hero Academia. It's gotten a lot better since, but you could still tell that those are things that Kohei is maybe still struggling with, or maybe he just doesn't care because he thinks the anime will fill in the gaps, whatever. But like inside of Black Clover's manga, it's a very similar situation with how elemental the the abilities are, but it's very readable in contrast, you know, to to my hero academia. And that's one thing that I always have to take my hat off to, to top it to for. Very it's,
1: clear-cut special effects. Yes,
0: exactly. Very clear cut special effects. Absolutely.
1: And I like how he takes into account how they overlap. Like like you said, the choreography is really good. You always know he always knows which way the blade is facing yes. where they're all standing. Like, even if we're like a little confused about the layout of thing, he has it planned. Yeah. I feel like Tabata is like a very spatial thinker. Cause like yeah. he takes some like really aggressive angles for his paneling. He does. Uh, that you don't see in a lot of other series. So like the things that I find satisfying in other series doesn't mean that it's lacking at all. Right. Um, and, like with kohei with uh you know having distinct powers and stuff mm-hmm. that's just growing pains in any new series like, For real though like the things that we've we've vocalized about black clover the things we have vocalized about my hero those are just growing pains you yeah know? and these are both mangaka
0: um, that had a failed book before their successful one you know what i mean so they have some mm-hmm. skin in the game in regard to um just tenure i want to say or just experience in the medium and in the craft To the point where they've tried this once before inside of hungry joker um for for tabata i can't remember what the other story was for kohei before my hero academy it was something about a zoo or something yeah hero star or something yeah some Uh, kind of crazy zoo 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 story i don't know what it was it was something like that you know what i mean so they have experience you know on the more negative side of comic book publication inside of, of 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 japan you know what i mean so not only do they have just raw drawing and Professional, um, publication or manga publication experience, but they also have, you know, that um, they understand the ropes of the of the industry, you know, to a great deal. You know what I mean? So imagine the kind of conversations that they've had, you know, with higher ups, with idols, with. You know other mangaka that have read their work, their and told them, yeah, what they could do to improve on it. We don't have any idea what kind of conversations those are, or how often they happen, but we can assume that it's all the time. You know what I mean? Comfortably. You know what Constant. I mean? So we're we're probably constantly seeing growth inside of these mangaka mm-hmm. in ways that are harder to notice because they're maybe more subtle because it's more about skill application than it is about drastic differences in art style. You know what I mean? But at the, at the end of the day. You're right. We do see these mangaka improving. They are not at 100 percent at the start of their publication of their series. You know what I mean? They grow just like we do throughout the mm-hmm. story. You know what I mean? So
1: everything we've seen has been a draft of a draft of a draft of a draft. Right. Um, it's all progress. Like, uh, like Oda's One Piece. Mm-hmm. The art is so like if you take episode one, mm-hmm. like a chapter one, and like mm-hmm. this chap, this week's chapter, wildly different. It's wildly,
0: wildly. Now, there different. are things inside of One Piece artistically that I feel like Oda is not doing anymore. We don't see. He's given. Yeah, we don't see as big of double spreads, you know what I mean? That are, are, are one panel. You know what I mean? If, if we're getting mm-hmm. double spreads inside of, of One Piece, he's still trying to fit as much information and character work as he can inside of double spreads while the double spread is trying to focus on action you know what i mean like these are just things that you can assume is because he's trying to get finished with his story and there's a lot more going on you know um story-wise and with and character-wise that you need to fit so much more on a spread than you know back in pre-time skip you know era you know what i mean because there's
1: only so much to present right um like i just love how they're evolving and mm-hmm. I think this has been a great example of like black clover's sort of evolution as a series yes. ongoing.
0: Yeah. And the last thing that I kind of want to say about the chapter, I know that I kind of brought it up a little bit earlier in the review for black clover fans to let us know if you noticed this visual cue that Taba to put on the the chest sigil of Asta as he's wielding these weapons, but also since I Black Clover is like the one manga in this lineup that I haven't re- reread multiple times, um, I want to ask Black Clover fans, you know, like diehard Black Clover fans or just Black Clover fans that are more invested than I am, if you've noticed things like this in Black Clover before, like very like cool catches and notices like this in the visual storytelling specifically, because there was no dialogue for this, but it's very apparent in the art. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So are there other examples of things like this in Black Clover that I missed or I don't remember or whatever? Drop that in the comments section because I would love to see those examples specifically.
1: Yeah, we want to hear from the horse's mouth. Are there yeah. any other Easter eggs that we've been missing? Because yes. uh, we don't want to be lacking.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. But I think that that is all that I had for Black Clover this week. Did you have anything else that you wanted to comment on, Mello? You know,
1: this was a swift, action-packed chapter. mm mm-hmm. um, not too much more to comment on
0: yeah but i think we got a. I think we got a really big conversation out of such a straightforward yeah. you know chapter like this you know that was really all action so appreciate your knowledge and what you bring to the table in that regard during the second thank you sure. absolutely okay 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 Peace de existence one piece wa. chapter 1009 What is the title of this chapter? Naraku. Yo. Yo, this chapter, son.
1: Has so much.
0: This chapter has so much, man. Like, there is literally... This is one of, like, the biggest discussions for One Piece that we're ever going to have with only two people here. (laughs) Like, for real. Like, this is... There's a lot of meat here. Yeah, this is a chapter that deserves, like, a full four-person panel but we've been killing the game all night so i feel like we'll be just fine for one piece too with just me and you but wow man so orochi instantly runs into the scabbards bro oh man Uh, i love that oda could have dragged that way out but he was like nope instant confrontation with orochi and the scabbards right now love that
1: i think it was needed yeah i think it was i think it was really needed um uh I have to comment uh, the cover for the beginning. Oh, yeah, of, let's go back. Like, oh, rocking. my God. I'm so sorry. We got to go so back to this good. color. We got to go back um, to this color
0: spread. Sorry, guys. You, you know how we get down here. That was I, I kind of slipped up there. But, yes, this color spread. Have to um, talk about it. It's I amazing.
1: love it. I love the Iron Kettle tanuki. It's super yep. cute because it's a nice little reference to, like, the earlier chapter where he's like, I'm not a tanuki they kind of look similar That's uh, right.
0: and maybe maybe this is a an artistic thing in regard to the tanuki chapters with chopper and his mm-hmm. iron indomitable will is now being personified in this iron tanuki pot maybe i don't know maybe i'm reaching
1: there Teapot. but it sounds but good like, to me <laughs> right uh, now i yeah. really like the uh little bits on their coats mm-hmm. uh like i like that luffy's literally just says sail away from safe harbor it really kind of follows his philosophy yes um there's... and then you have
0: three swords on zoro's coat
1: yeah, yeah heavy and mountain on jinbei um yep. 32 i will cook for sanji yes. um Frankie's the funniest because his literally says hentai on the sleeve. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I was yeah, I was so focused on that's the cyborg. That's why I had to stop you. I was like, yeah. man, I, we have to like at least mention this.
0: Yes, wow. And um, then it says skeleton on Brooks' hood. Yeah,
1: it's it's a really good one. Uh, Unchart.
0: Uncharted, uncharted, yeah. uncharted waters maybe. Unchar- uncharted waters, because yeah. like there's on, a lot of Nami. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of uh. Sh- Stilted English that goes into a lot of like Japanese right. fashion, right um, you see like
0: random combinations words. of English words, yeah mm-hmm. that like don't make sense.
1: <laughs> I have a sweater that literally says Vincent massif and then it has like a Wikipedia article about an aircraft carrier. It has no bearing <laughs> on anything
0: yeah uh, that that episode of South Park, where it's like anime. And they have that, like, <laughs> anime opening. And it's like, let's fighting love. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, bro. It's
1: really interesting. Uh, the only ones that don't have writing on their stuff. Robin. Is Chopper and Robin.
0: And Usopp doesn't really. I mean, Usopp, I think, has. I can't really see anything that, that can be made out on, on yeah. Usopp. But, yeah. They don't have any specific. Writing, yeah, yeah. shit, yeah.
1: But I always like, lo- cause like, Oda has so many Easter eggs in yes. his stuff. The it just makes me Easter wonder. Eggs. I have to double check. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I love that the red scabbards immediately face Orochi. Right,
0: so like yeah, so going back into the chapter, I think that it's great that they're that they're instantly pulling up on him here because this is a big point in the 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 narrative of the scabbards specifically is Orochi's um, influence over Wano and and his escapades and how he betrayed whoever and however and really is the the kind of really the catalyst for this whole thing. You know what I mean? Inside of the the Scabbard's Mm -hmm. Despair. So them pulling up on him right now after everything they've been through 20 years ago, now, in this raid. Them pulling up on Orochi right now as this gigantic narrative obstacle that they've been dealing with. And them just eviscerating this motherfucker with no words, really. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like barely any words. They're just all in sync, just showing how they're not playing anymore. They've been through too much to sit and chat with this motherfucker it's we already know the history we know what it is it's smoke on site we don't need too much talking we know you we run them hands up yeah you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i love that love that no words just smoke (laughs) they're just resheathing like your judgment will be served to you in hell come on bro we don't got no time to waste on you
1: that's actually really interesting when you say your judgment will serve in hell because that's what Naraku means. Naraku has four different meanings. Mm, one here we go. theater ba it has hell. Theater basement. Um cr- a crime. <laughs> uh and like a joke punchline or a fall. Mm, but so hell is one of them. I, hell is also one of them. Yeah, fuck. It's yeah. the idea of the underworld. Um so I really like that this arc has been kind of like culminating to this mm-hmm. point and i like the naming convention of the chapter itself because mm-hmm. like the whole super japan arc of wano feels like a lot of like kabuki art so yeah. the idea of it being a theater basement all these like like the courtesans all playing yeah. these various roles and then you all have all conjuro's servants.
0: plot line and mm-hmm. his whole character yeah Wow. Like
1: even the like the spies, they're all acting a role. Yes. All these ca- these you know Benedict turncoats, they're all playing their roles. <laughs> it's they're all going all into that Kabuki the theater and, drama. Yes, yes, and it's just like it, this chapter name really drives it home. I love yeah. it. I, love um, it too. I think that Orochi I don't will. Think he's done here. Yeah. He's not done. They're I in, think he no will do, die three times. Because yeah. I think third time's the charm. Sure. It's because I like the idea. I think he's going to be killed by Momotaro. At the ah, end. let's go. I think that'll Momonosuke? be his final death. Yes. I think that'll be his final death. Um, love because that. he was killed by his ally Kaido, and then he was killed by his enemies Scabbards, and then he was killed by the by one who rightfully the, deserves the position. By, he's and then been he was killed so by his victim oh wait oh yes yep yep because he committed a crime naraku against this kid because he feared them and so i really want to see momonosuke's like revenge or the orochim's final comeuppance yes and i think it would be a poetic justice i think that three is a really strong narrative number um yeah like this is and and uh i don't know if kabuki comes in 3x but shakespearean plays sure do yep so
2: <laughs>
1: i want to see yeah <laughs> i want to yeah. see it happen
2: yeah that's
0: very good um, man wow and i love how Rizo instantly squares up with Fukurokuju. you know what i mean so like we know that we need this ninja altercation otherwise the fuck was Rizo even doing here so this is good <laughs> i love i, I love how Oda is breaking this down in ways that are very satisfying but also knows how to shift the tide in one direction or another to play into the stakes that he's been laying out throughout this arc. It's very um even though it feels very chaotic, it's crazy how controlled, you know, and and yeah. there's very there's a very much so a method to the madness, you know what I mean? So gotta take a hat like, to for shit like that. I
1: like the overall theme of loyalty mm-hmm. throughout the entire Wano arc. Mm-hmm. Because like Fukurokuju and Raizo, they're like, hey, uh, you've remained loyal to that fool to the very end. And Orochi got to where he was by not being loyal. Yes. And he got deposed, and he's in the situation he's in now because the scabbards are loyal, but Kaido was not loyal. And I just love that it's just reemphasized emphasized wow. that loyalty will prosper, I think. I feel like it's a One Piece series, but also One Piece can be really dark. So like it's not guaranteed absolutely but i think that's that's loyalty is the crucial struggle when it comes to what because luffy tends to fight for the heart of a country and i think at wano's heart in super japan's heart loyalty is
0: that is is the core absolutely dude that was really that was really well said and i think that you're spot on with that um with that notion bro and I love how after we get, you know, obviously it ends on a cliffhanger inside of the scabbards with Raizo versus Fuku Rokuju, but it mm-hmm. does feel very satisfyingly complete inside of the Orochi situation. So we know that we have to come back to this situation because it ended on a cliffhanger, but it 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 um it leans perfectly back into the rooftop situation, you know what I mean? Because Oda is very good at knowing who to focus on and when. He segues great. He segues incredibly. There aren't very many moments in One Piece, and this is partly because Oda is just such a good writer that literally anything that's happening is interesting enough to where I'm cool if an entire chapter is focused on it, but also the characters involved are all so amazing, especially inside the ones that we've known the whole series, that it could literally deviate to any scene and feel great, but Oda knows what the most important scenes are to focus on at any given time so you never really have to worry that he's making an awkward decision to cut to any moment of conflict at any time it always feels so right and so natural when we focus on anybody at any given time especially when you look at the two situations focused on in this chapter you have continuation of scabbard revenge leading right back into the rooftop scene if we went from scabbard revenge into nami versus and Usopp versus ulti or you know frankie you know or whatever it would be fine but this just feels like the best choice as far as two plot lines to focus on for this chapter
1: you know what i, mean? I think so. it's i think that like the way it's segued and edited is that these two are brought up to be v- equally pivotal moments yes by pairing them together and leaving only them in that space uh one side note on page six i love the middle of the page where they have the dragon orochi head yeah and it echoes after Kaido cut off Orochi's head the first time. Yes. I love that it's just like that You lose again bitch. on the top of the <laughs> and, that's, and because they repeated it, that's why I think there's gonna be a third thing. Because right. um Fukurokujo uh says Flee my lord, I they don't know that you've already died once. Right. And then when rizo asks him, Will you avenge him? he doesn't answer that question. Because there's nothing to avenge. The guy's not dead yet.
0: Yes, uh, love that. Very good, mm. Mellow dude. Yes, Fuck, but yeah.
1: something I know uh, in the next fight because it's just it's a really good fight. Oh my god. Um, what do you think? Like, what's what draws you in immediately? Uh, Kaido's like
0: even though they they do this ocean or conquest of the sea or whatever the the this official translation is for it in the in the in the scan it's like uh ocean sovereignty or whatever but like when they when they load up this attack it's a big deal and and zoro does you know like what he does or whatever but like the most the, the biggest thing to me in this fight sequence in this chapter is luffy versus kaido period you know what i mean like that is the focus on this to me despite what law luffy or i mean law zoro and 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 everybody else is kind of like doing here like this feels like early one piece combat to me inside of the The one v one a little bit this one v one here we have this amazing perspective in the gum gum red hawk going towards kaido you have this amazing drawing of luffy with this giant grin i feel like i haven't seen luffy look like this in combat in like a really long time he's thoroughly enjoying himself he's not on his back foot as drastically as it was with kata the entire time Mm -hmm. obviously because he has help up here you know what i mean but this this feels very much so like early one piece combat you know what i mean inside of the choreography and i love how kaido's hybrid form is very animated compared to his other forms you know what i mean we have the giant dragon that literally just exists to be a big body and shoot hyper beams we have his human form that's literally just there for thunder bagua and to take damage but then now we have this hyper you know this hybrid form that is very acrobatic it's he's swimming through space in a very interesting um you know and new way the choreography feels very kinetic you know what I mean? It's very um, technical, whereas, you know, usually inside of One Piece, it's very easy for Oda to go into a clash of abilities as far as the choreography mm-hmm. goes. But as far as kinetic hand-to-hand, nameless martial arts that we see in this chapter, I feel like it's it's rare when we see shit like this in One Piece nowadays. So Oda knows where to place it in that regard. But oh, like, yeah. Yeah, this all, everything about this feels amazing. You know what I the mean? The grin
1: on Luffy's face, yeah, dude. It's just oh shoot! <laughs> and page eleven, he. Yeah. It just brings the vibe that he is where he needs to be yes. in that moment. He knows it. He feels it. He's got his, he has his, the people he needs to add his back. He knows that he trusts them. I like the dichotomy of Kaido who believes in his strength alone and does not trust anyone yes. is fighting Luffy who believes in his strength, but also trusts. So that's a nice dichotomy. Absolutely. Um,
0: and I love how he says, did you just dodge that one Kaido because it was going to hurt? Or what, you know what I mean? Because Kaido has been built up as this impregnable fortress of a body, this invincible man or or creature or monster, you know what I mean? This obstacle. And now it's gotten to a point where Kaido psychologically, mentally is not anywhere close to 100% since the start of this fight. One, he started the fight out drunk. Second, the scabbards came in and pieced him up in a way that he wasn't expecting, in ways that reminded him of Odin. Then you have Zoro here with Enma in hand, doing damage to Kaido. The mountain cutter. Yeah, exactly. And now you have Luffy, who red-rocked him, pow, did all of this shit after coming out of a one-shot defeat prior, has got Kaido, even though it's not specifically delved into drastically how he's feeling in the moment in internal monologues, you can see it. You can feel it. You can you can take the history of the progression of these chapters in all the the moments that I've just brought up, and you can just tell without words that, you can have an idea of of kaido's mental state you know what i mean and inside of dialogue like this dude, just dodge that one bro because it was going to hurt like that's such mm. a massive quote in this situation you know what i mean and it's it's a very it's a telling quote yeah um
1: you said it yourself uh kaido's uh hybrid form is very animated and you can get kind of like if you look at his expressions he's you know a grimacing scowling person normally right but he does seem desperate in like bottom of page 12 when he whacks at luffy and luffy blocks the attack and he's like oh my hands sting yep and stuff
0: but like it's also Kaido, oda just kind of doesn't want to up. show that difference in hockey it, it, that's that's always how oda shows that difference in hockey is hockey versus hockey whose hands are throbbing
1: afterwards you know mm-hmm. what i mean so uh but Kaido's not using his hands. He's using an object,, sure. so it's kind yeah. of interesting to see, um even if it is filled with hockey. Mm-hmm. um, but I like because, like Kaido, in the previous chapters, he doesn't he tends to do one big attack and see who survives the smoke wreckage. Yeah. like even at the beginning of this fight, he says, "I can still hear their voices right. But in page thirteen, immediately after hitting luffy into the ground after being taunted about oh you dodged that one he doesn't let up he goes for the overhand swing he goes for the little hyper beam and then he goes for the like ragnaraku oh
0: shit i didn't even notice this play on words in the official Ragnarok. it's i think it's just ragnarok in the in the fan scan but i love i love this in the official here. super japan ragnaraku. i love that <laughs> fuck yeah um
1: i I like it because we were talking about it earlier and how uh, devils appear in a lot of myth. Mm -hmm. In Norse myth, the serpent. The serpent appears in almost every single myth. Absolutely. There's the myth in Mm Judeo-Christianism. There is Jormungandr. Jormungandr in Norse shit? Yeah, that
0: big old snake man. um,
1: There's so... uh, Yamato Orochi. Yep, yep being the eight-headed serpent Mm -hmm. uh there is been a serpent in every major mythos so i like that touch where he's kaido is considered the threat uh he isn't he is the evil serpent right like orochi is a pale imitation to what kaido is they're both they're both snakes but kaido's the legendary the real one. one yeah
0: and it's crazy because, like, I feel like Yamato no Orochi has all of the the, 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 the pantheons, um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, the most potent lore, you know what I mean? Orochi is the most of focused the on serpent in Shinto um, mythology, you know what I mean? But the fact that, yes, we know that, and we're not going to make that the biggest bad because that's trite and played out. Let's turn that into a gag, almost, of a character and put a real dragon at the forefront that's not... You know, the one that is instantly thought of when you think of Shinto dragons or or Shinto serpents, rather. You know what I mean? You think Orochi first, you know what I mean? But this is a cool thing that you're pointing out that Odo is probably very aware of this and knows that Yamato no Orochi is the final boss in so many fictional depictions that, no, make him the bitch and make, a, yeah. make an, another dragon the real, you know, face of that.
1: That, That's um, the um, fall, that the Naraku, yeah. the punchline. Yo, um, no, no! It all hey. comes back together, Oda. Oh shit. Um. And That's then cool. I like I like how they kind of split up the fights in this area because it's it's Luffy versus Kaido, but Big Mom ver- and her crew of like elemental minions versus mm-hmm. Luffy's crew or at least uh, the, the survivors of yeah, this the raid crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that it's like team battle versus team battle. Right. Solo battle versus solo battle. Yes. Everyone has their role.
0: Yes. Everyone it, has yeah. their role. This is a big thing because inside of One Piece, I feel like especially inside of the power scaling community, it's very easy from what I've experienced and I'm not really in that community to to that degree, but what I've experienced, you know, kind of as far as what the outlooks feel like to me when it comes to power scaling is, ten thousand attack beats five thousand attack no matter what. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and one piece is a very, um, is very much so about matchups. You have very quirky abilities. You have very unique to the person abilities. These fights could never truly exists for the entire series as a massive clash of numbers you know what i mean like it's yeah. all and, and we see that strategic depth a lot inside of the last couple pages of this fight when you see after the ragnaraku you know what i mean Zoro is coming back after blocking the ocean sovereignty he's on we know that he's on thin ice right now you know and we see that kid loads up the box you know of metal you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Big Mom's like, what the fuck is that about? You know what I mean? And everyone's like, yo, it's time. Our strategy is beating this massive defense and offense wall inside of these Yonko because we Mm -hmm. just have, you know, a great combination of abilities that don't really have too much to do with raw damage, but pacification. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be red rock grizzly magnum finish this separation of big mom from this fight is as satisfying as it Bad. needs to be because of the strategic application <laughs> of the events it doesn't need to be a grandiose we fly at each other with our final attack big mom loses 10, in one attack beats ten thousand attack it, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to to be like that and big mom was completely separated from the situation without taking any damage to her person and that is consistent with the storytelling because it's like we know what it takes to damage big mom and we know that there was a huge grandiose plot centered around gang beige in, in whole cake island to even allow them to deal any damage to her so what they're just mm-hmm. going to be able to deal damage to her now just because they wanted enough no take her off the map in a way that makes sense based on how you built her up historically you know circumvent what I mean? circumvent
1: her tools
0: right exactly remove
1: and, her from the board
0: exactly yeah. you know what i mean you don't have the damage to deal with this so what are you going to do and this is another great point because we have rio this is the way to get through this defense you know what i mean rio attacks past that 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 initial layer of defense and you can attack internally that is literally the hard counter that oda has set up in this arc for characters like kaido and big mom but even though that plot point is there oda still wrote an unexpected victory inside of big or a seemingly unexpected victory quote unquote inside of big mom that didn't utilize that hard counter that we thought oda Mm -hmm. was was building up it's just decision making like that yeah it's Uh, just oda's so different bro like imagine this altercation in like really like any other manga going on right now especially having that rio trump card built up so long you'd think that's how they're dealing with these guys but no he took an it took a he took another route when there was such an obvious one there
1: they're not and, bringing rio up there they're bringing you, big mom to rio <laughs> yeah. and i like that it's it... oda does really well in the fact that in any story mm-hmm. like if i'm running a game if I have too many NPCs, I just get bogged down. If there's yeah. too many characters, you just get bogged down. It's hard to do that. Like power scaling is hard to balance when there's so many people. But yes. this is done really masterfully. Like during the through whole war arc, he's managed to partition through the chaos of this raid. Mm-hmm. He's been able to partition all these clusters of NPCs and give them their own stages. Yes. And that way, he can cycle through the segways, segue from them, and kind of weave his pattern. And I think that's very masterfully done. He's a very conscious um,
0: writer, and he's very mm-hmm. he, he. And and it, and it makes sense that the creator of this IP would understand it better than anyone else. But you have mm-hmm. so many diehard One Piece fans that fine tooth comb this series constantly. You know what I mean? And you know, for this legion of theorists and analysts. To not be able to guess the next leg of the adventure very often inside of a story that's this critically analyzed is very impressive. You know what I mean? Especially and, in a
1: shonen series, which I is guess. typified for its formula.
0: Right. And there's, there's so many moments in this chapter that play into to the point that we're kind of making right now. Like, okay, Zoro jumps in front of the ocean sovereignty. This is a gigantic situation for zoro especially inside of like the power scaling debate community is if you've noticed on twitter you'll see a lot of people on um, this is a very controversial moment it makes sense to me because i mean like zoro's the fucking tank dude he's always been the tank if anyone's going to jump in front of an attack like this that's present on this roof right now it's probably going to be fucking zoro should he live through it no but he doesn't have to because r- room switched him out he stifled the attack which is great for him It it Mm -hmm. says a lot about the growth we've seen from him since post time skip that Oda has kind of been reserving for a moment like this, you know, like Zoro hasn't really had to struggle in the new world until Wano, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was out of the story for a lot of it because of the whole cake island party, you know, party division, but like, and, and after Zoe and shit, but like now that we're back together, Otis finally like, okay, this is what Zoro did. But it's not just overwhelming sweet victories. You know what I mean? He did what he did against Hody and Fishman Island because it was time to show the growth of their training against really pitiful enemies, you know, comparatively. You know what I mean? To show now we're in a new section of the world that's hailed as this very dangerous area. This is the first boss of it. And our main group just swept them. That was amazing for that. Then you have Punk Hazard. And it's not really as much about physical you know, altercations as it is about, yeah. Yeah. As it is about, you know, like there was a, it was a lot more plot driven story driven situation than it was about characters and fights. Then you go into dress Rosa and that is a lot more about fights, but look at Zoro's enemy inside of dress Rosa. It wasn't a real one-on-one it it was a puzzle. (laughs) It was, it was literally a puzzle for 90% until he found the core and then he sliced through it with like little to no effort. You know what I mean? So now that we're here inside of the samurai land, a lot of people think that it's weird that Zoro is doing this right here. But it's like, if this is going to be one of the first times we've ever seen him, um, you know, really put his all into something, this feels fine. And he didn't even eat it. He he almost fucking died. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that's great for it. Feel The situation feels amazing. Zoro should live through the damage that he did take from this. And he only blocked it for a second and still is crippled on the fucking ground. So, it's like... You know, it's not that crazy what he did. You know what I mean? And even though he's back up and ready to fight really soon after that, Oda still gives us that last panel on the last page of Zoro succumbing to a lot of that damage that he probably ignored because of adrenaline or endorphins or whatever. Shock. A shock, you know, like whatever. You know what I mean? But he's still, Oda made a point to show he's not okay. He's hurting. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it, it, all of these things just feel so good in this chapter, despite so much hectic, crazy power scaling shit going on. One more thing I want to say about Zoro, because I just passed it on this page. Page 16, crossing the six paths. This is the technique that I was waiting to see again ever since I saw it for the first time. I think the first time we see this technique is against Tsurume, the Kraken. When they after they get their ship coated by Rayleigh and they go down to Fishman Island, they run into the Kraken and all that other wildlife and Sanji whips out the blue walk and hits him with the Diablo Jamble grills the grills the tentacle and then Zoro comes up crossing the six paths. And it's literally this attack. But now in this ver in this moment, it's like the fire version with Foxfire style or whatever you know that he got from Kenameon but i've been waiting to see this again for so long and i'm so hyped right now because this is such a cool sword attack and i can't wait to see it animated this scene in the anime this fight this moment whatever this episode is is going to be internet
1: breaking bro oh man i <laughs> i just i really like it because yeah. like i think that like Zoro should struggle in this time because he's Like, he found that Wano sword early on in the series, and it was a super deadly weapon. If that sword... And it's a special sword, but if those generalized tier swords exist in a country, Mm -hmm. those guys are going to be tough. Yeah. And he should have a hard time. I definitely agree that he is the tank. Early on in the series, he uh, said... Um I take pride in not having scars on my back. I face all threats head, head on. on. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. He was always considered one of the toughest. Um I I love that he's able to do like the flame rend and just yes. like it's a matchup thing, but he's matching up against a specific aspect of Big Mom's toolkit. Yes. So I really like that uh I love that Law and Kid were able to Get rid of the cloudy, cloudy boy.
0: Yeah, they know Uh, their lane. They know their lane. Like exactly. They're not these are all alpha males to a certain degree,
1: but -hmm. they understand
0: their role in the bigger picture when it comes to this strategy. You know what I mean? Like Zoro could very easily be like, Fuck Big Mom, I'm gonna try to cut her in half. But he hasn't directed Mm -hmm. any of his attacks at Big Mom directly. It's just I have lane. Yeah, I have exactly. He knows his lane. I have Foxfire. Let me take out this giant sun. (laughs) <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's it's it, there's there's so many there's so much pride on the table here, you know. But everyone knows that they can't be the shot caller. You know what I mean? Everyone knows that, and, and it's just cool to see that inside of the supernovas right now because this when when they were first introduced together in Shibandi, it was to be expected. Everyone was like, all "Fuck ego. you, get away from me." Yeah, I'm gonna handle all of this by myself. Everyone wanted to be the alpha male supernova you know but now in this situation they're understanding what their strengths and weaknesses are and they're working together to supplement and complement them in a way that feels great and plays into their experience and skill and and know-how of the sea and the world
1: at this point you know what i mean i think that further contrasts uh how the yonko of the older generation are egotists kaido and big mom they're egotists. Their alliance is like the shakiest thing. Yeah, but because I'm surprised they haven't turned
0: on each other yet. If I'm keeping this. Because they're
1: both egotists. The mm-hmm. only reason they're not immediately backstabbing or coercing the other to do their bidding is they know that they're roughly equal. Right. But like the new generation, they're macho. They're egotistical, but they're not letting that control yes. the results of their actions. Absolutely. And they're they're moving beyond themselves. Wow, um, very well said, bro. Uh something that someone said in our the Project Manga Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh they really liked how kids' ability is like the punk punk fruit. Or yeah like someone did say that. Yeah fruit. I remember that. Yeah. yeah steampunk yeah. I love that because like when he even uses punk pistols he's literally launching harpoons. Right. That's pretty steampunk. Yeah absolutely um, zeus's little prison yeah. seems like that um i'm, th- I'm thinking it's still magnetism fists.
0: i, I, I want to say it's still magnetism and it, there's just that flavor um mm-hmm. of steampunk in the naming conventions of the abilities because it makes sense i don't think that because there's punk in all of the names of the i like the idea but i just personally mm-hmm. don't think that the punk aspect of his yeah his named attacks go into what his devil fruit ability is like that's yeah. cool but like it's so clearly magnetism it's not even funny and it's just steampunk style attacks inside yeah. of that magnetic
1: you know, i yeah because i think yeah. he's definitely naming it mm-hmm. after punk yeah um because he is a punk rocker like look at right. him right. um <laughs> but i, feel yeah, like we I definitely punk, feel like, feel like we see punk
0: in ability names like often in one piece though i feel like i feel like kid isn't the only one that has punk in his um
1: dr vega
0: dr vega the, the
1: poison kite. you poison also guy. have
0: um diamond Jozu has an attack named brilliant punk i'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. you um, see punk a lot in here
1: but yeah. punk seems to be a name of innovation Mm -hmm. or uh, like a mechanical advancement Mm -hmm. or technological advancement i feel like that's been a subtle theme going on Mm -hmm. um it's like the darker
0: side of technology so like inside mm -hmm. of like cyberpunk you know what i mean it's like the the darker version of regular sci-fi yeah you know what i mean you have yeah and then you have steampunk which is yeah like we've been talking
1: about it absolutely but I do agree with you on the magnetism thing. I definitely yeah. think it is. I think yeah. it's just um, kid represents the 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 one piece punk philosophy. Absolutely. Um, and that just happens to be expressed through a, like kind of a steampunk themed aesthetic.
0: Um, oh, yeah. And I know Napoleon is a threat, but I just want to make a comment. that I think that this panel of killer literally just fighting <laughs> just Napoleon is just so funny that... Like, Killer did some tight shit, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, and he's not, you know, he's a, he's not a very um verbal character anyway, you know what I mean? So the fact he's that he's kind of character. just, yeah, the fact that he's kind of just here, tink, 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 you know, with Napoleon, you know, like, isn't, it's funny to think, you know, it's funny to bring it up or whatever, that he's just kind of like, they, he's just a guy who's there while everybody else is like doing so much like other shit or whatever he does kind of feel like the background character if there is one he, but so
1: subtle yeah you really <laughs> want to know what's underneath that mask yeah like what like is he actually like hiding something is he using haki? Hmm. is he using something that can actually hurt napoleon like what is it that he's doing that sets him apart from the other characters like the other supporting role characters, and right. I really want to see what Killer is behind the mask. Like I think it would be really interesting um, if he is one of like those referenced lineages, like mm. the the D, or Ooh. another Punk. Right? Uh, I don't know them all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not as super immersed into. Yeah. I'm not brined yeah. into the whole One Piece mythos right but i you know i want to i want to see what killer is because i feel like he's going to have something that's going to be somehow relevant like what if he's somehow related to sanji or something oh shit you know (laughs) shit like that all right who else is
0: blonde in one piece let's (laughs) let's link this
1: (laughs) but yeah no i'm i'm kind of thinking about that kind of stuff ah oh yeah
0: dude one piece just makes you think of, of so much you know what i mean and it's hard, you know, in one segment to talk about everything you want to talk about relating to One Piece because that that's, that's just goes into how big the world of One Piece is, is that this is a very um, clear-cut chapter, you know, that is very much isolated and controlled inside of the chapter. It doesn't really reference too many things, you know, in the overall landscape of One Piece or in the history of One Piece or anything like that, but One Piece is such a big story that even when you have such a clear cut and dry black and white chapter like this, anything can make you think of other relevant plot points that matter in conversation (laughs) to the events that are happening. So it's like these conversations can literally be infinite every week.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Fights, this fight is nuanced and Mm -hmm. dynamic and like but we're still able to extrapolate that much. And it's yes. it just really speaks to the longevity, the longevity and the depth that One Piece has had. That's why there's so many analysts out there. They haven't run out of material. And I don't... It's... Yeah, it's really hard to. Yeah. Um, Art-wise, I kind of had a thought. It was a passing thought. But I was thinking of... Um, you know you mentioned how Orochi and Kaido are different mm-hmm. and that they're different leagues, right, but they yeah. kind of represent similar things um i I think it's interesting that, like in a country obsessed with swords, mm-hmm. Kaido uses an iron club, yeah, he really stands out quite a bit mm-hmm. um and I And he doesn't, he's not from Wano. He doesn't belong from Wano. And for me, he kind of represents um, sort of a Chinese aesthetic. Right. And that he represents a dragon, Mm -hmm. which is very much part of, like, a Chinese mythology of representative of power of a ruler.
2: Yes, uh, very regal
1: ability. Of, you know, dynasty setting. And then his moves right like he has the th- three conquests which based off of the conquest of the sea i believe that the other con two conquests would be land and air mm-hmm. or sky yep. and so i like the idea because he's a dragon he's able to command and conquer all three realms yes uh and then but like the three conquests or the three sovereignties that makes me think of like the three kingdoms, which kind of reinforces the idea of Kaido being Chinese Mm -hmm. and being like a Chinese reference and being sort of like uh, an invader to super Japan of being this larger, overwhelming presence that is invading Japan and causing chaos and causing the leadership of super japan of wano to uh buckle under their existence and Mm. maybe i'm reading too much into it no i love that i don't i don't don't think you
0: can read too much into one piece because oda has historically shown that he reads Mm. deeper into things than even we do you know what i obviously you you know know what i mean like there's so many easter eggs there's so many Intense multiple hundred chapter callbacks that Oda does. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people say that things that people point out in art in One Piece or, you know, bolded text could be a reference that and there's a lot of theory crafting going on and people are so quick to shoot down things and say it's not that deep you're looking too into too deep into it and it's like really like are you like are you new here because there are so many times where people have said that exact response and then we find out confirmed later that that was the thing that you know they called out like it it legitimately was an Easter egg that Oda put in there or it legitimately was you know that callback it wasn't a reach you know what I mean And, and sometimes it takes a long time for that information to be obvious in one piece because it is such an epic long story but it's at the point now where it's like fam there ain't no looking too deep like we're not looking deep enough 90 percent of the time when we feel like we're reaching you know what i mean is what i'm noticing so yeah don't feel don't feel bad about that at all yeah that's kind of
1: the vibe i'm getting from him Mm -hmm. with like three kingdoms three conquests and just being an outsider of wano but still being a sort of oppressor and i think that's just a a little bit of cultural influence mm-hmm. from the writer because any story we tell as a person will be how we view the world a little bit mm-hmm. Recontextualize. it's not a one for one this is my story therefore it's my opinion but like there's yeah. influences absolutely absolutely bro. Yeah.
0: and another thing that i want to say that i actually just noticed is that there's a little cause for worry is that we haven't seen luffy since he ate the ragnarok so like we don't see him react to the damage we literally just see him take the attack and then he i don't think he comes back to the comic after that
1: <laughs> so yeah, i'm very worried for
0: luffy's state yeah I and mean, i like how yeah. the
1: cliffhanger ended like halfway through the chapter right for him. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, Luffy's cliffhanger is four Mid-chapter. chapters away from the last page. Yeah. Or four pages away from the last page. Yeah. Four or five. Yeah. Wild man. Yeah. Uh, it's damn. a good one. Let's just 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 real quick, just to make sure all the bases are covered here inside of the choreography of um taking out Big Mom. I love how she crushes Kid into the ground, you know, and it's a drastic hit, bro. Like the 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 angle of her crushing him down like on the of beating me panel you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you she know, got his head she yeah and then you get another emphasis panel after that if it's zoomed in showing like this is a serious hit this connected full force no confusion you know what i mean and mm-hmm. he instantly clinks the fucking robot hand to big mom handcuff repel you know and he looks fine like he's clean like he took that hit but he's, you know, still, you know, in the mix, his eyes aren't whited out, you know, or nothing like that. Like, kid is a mm-hmm. fucking beast for that, you know. But then just going into the strategy of attach this thing to Big Mom because it's about, it's about um, movement. It's about, um, you know, inertia. It's about, it's about more than, yeah, it's about, you know, it's about more than just my power versus your defense. It's now... You are in the air, so even if you were on the ground and and kids sent this boulder at you, you probably block that shit and be fine. But you're in the air; you have no footing. It's not about damage; it's literally just moving matter through space. You know what I mean? So it's like
1: I kind of hope she falls into the sea. Like yeah. I think it would, and I think that like in the aftermath of Wano, and because they have Interpol, they would raise all of the Wano raid crew their bounties astronomically because. Yeah. These people beat back Kaido and straight up killed Mom, Big Mom, and dumped her in the sea.
2: Yeah, that's like, drastic.
1: Their, their value has increased. We must approach them as their realistic values. Yes. Um absolutely i i think that big mom's gonna die i uh
0: man i don't know if big mom's gonna die but i (laughs) it's one piece now you know what i mean and if big mom's gonna die i think i subscribe to the idea that Kiko has and that i'm sure a lot of other people share that big mom will die in Elbef. you know what i mean whenever we eventually go there for whatever reason she ends up going there with everybody else or whatever i like that a lot i don't think it makes sense to outright kill
1: kaito or big
0: mom in this chapter (laughs) uh or in this in this arc you know what i mean so i think that i feel
1: like the sea will weaken her to the point that she can be captured
0: something like that or maybe paro sparrow you know is is there you know what i mean like with the fucking candy slide you know and and he just catches her uses her momentum that she would use to fall into the sea and brings her back to land on a candy slide i can see it being something like that yeah like you know, I, I don't think that she's out. I think that she's taken away from the situation for a significant um, amount of time. I think that that's the whole point of this is to separate, you know, Big Mom and Kaido. So I think that Big Mom will be, even if she, if she does recover from this, which I very much think that she will, I think that she will have her hands full in whatever that situation is down there once she's saved by Paro Sparrow or whoever. But I'm very interested to see how Kaido does by himself against the remaining the whole um, supernovas but luffy seems to be out zoro is obviously on his last legs kid just took a drastic face punch so you really just have like law and killer as like the undamaged you know for for the most part members of this of this fight so i'm very interested to see how it goes now that these developments are here you know what i mean
1: i see that i see that because but thing is like with like the napoleon thing Oh sure. If Killer can cut Napoleon, who is a spirit, and like a spirit made out of metal as a sword, right? Um, I think he won't have. An, I think that maybe Killer's ability might actually be based around doing damage, regardless. Mm. Like it's bypassing Something. the innate defenses, but it's of not Rio.
0: Or maybe it is Rio, and we don't know. But it, at yeah. least I want to say it doesn't feel right for it to be Rio right now but i do like that idea because we go back a couple chapters and killer had that fucking like sonic blade attack that seemed to impale kaido in a bunch of different directions mm. but i think we had ideas that that was maybe not what was actually happening in reality and that was like you know a metaphor for something else that was going down um either sonically or you know whatever artistic choice oda you know decided to use for that situation whatever but i love that idea that you just had that killer has unavoidable damage in such a I physical fighting yeah I think he has a way to, style. to yeah. inflict,
1: really inflict damage. Will it be killing blows? No. But will it be enough to annoy or harry or weaken them? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Law is a slippery fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, between the two of them, I think they'll buy enough time for Luffy to rally... The vestiges of his st- like endurance, mm-hmm. and like get back in the game. Yeah. Maybe buy enough time that Zoro can recuperate to a certain do degree. like a single attack oh, before sure. Luffy. Because gets back like up. I imagine, I imagine that he has like maybe one more good attack in him left. Who Zoro? Just based on how damaged he is, and like you talking about Zoro right now? Yeah, because mm-hmm. like the swords that he used one of them borrows his life force so if he's shaky i don't know if he has much left to give in that instance Mm -hmm.
0: Um, i like that personally i think this comes down to luffy and like if if kaido is going to be the only opponent left or i mean if kaido is going to be the main opponent and big mom is separated or whatever um i could see it coming down to luffy and zoro you know what i mean obviously Kid has his beef, and Law's obviously been involved since, you know, long before all of this in regards to the underworld and things like that. So everyone's got their stake in the game. But um, physically, I want to say it would be so cool to just see it come down to Luffy and Zoro versus Kaido. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Kid and Law and Killer do what they can to buy enough time for Luffy and Zoro to recuperate, then Kaido just sweeps them after they've expended their, you know, their 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 resources to Reserves. buy time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after they bought their time, Kaido one-shots them or sweeps them and then Luffy and Zoro are back at fifty percent or whatever they need to 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 go back into it with Kaido. Yeah. I think that'd be
1: cool. As, as difficult as we've said Oda is to predict right. already. <laughs> yeah. My prediction, mm-hmm. just for fun, yeah. uh, is that Killer and Trafalgar will harry them, bounce around, do some stuff. Uh, Kid will recuperate first, start, you know... He'll deal with Zeus and uh, try to uh, help rally Zoro. I think that, like, the image I have in my mind is that they'll bounce around, deal some smaller damage, uh, maybe Kid doing, like, a little bit of support, but what he's going to probably do is like if Kaido does like the big double hand swing yeah. i would love to see um kid do like the like magnetically controlled remote hand grab kaido by the wrist and slow his strike Ooh. at the point of like lift where yeah. he before he brings it down slows it down and then zoro uses the mountain cutter and just cuts the iron club in half oh shit along with damaging kaido and then it would be kaido versus maybe he gets hyper beamed and he just like does a breath attack wipes yeah. out trafalgar killer uh kid zoro leaves him on the sidelines and yeah. then luffy's had enough time and he goes mano y mano no weapons snake just man brawl.
0: yo snake man like, versus that's... kaido hand to hand after zoro destroys the club <laughs> Oh my god, the internet would implode.
1: I want to see that happen. Because, I want to like, see that. Kaido Let's... doesn't use swords. Yeah. And Wano is so about the access and utilization of swords. Like, yeah. even his child, Yamato, uses a sword, don't they? Uh, I think he uses a club still. Ah, that's fair. Yeah, I think Yamato still Yeah, like, still they, they're the, the only ones that don't really use swords. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they're or Luffy, any kind of bladed, or Sanji,
0: where or they just angry. beat people to death, Right. <laughs> Dude, I love that idea, man. Like, that's really fucking cool to think about. And, and, and it is Oda, so it's like, who knows? You know, probably not. You never know. But it's a cool thought for now. Absolutely. I, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see any of the things that we've talked about happen. You know what I mean? But but it's, it's like Nick always says. It's like Nick always says on the show. It's like, whatever you think, you know, would be cool for Oda to do. Oda will do something way cooler than anything. He'll
1: do thought. what he thinks is cool. Yeah. I mean, it'll and it's be just going to
0: fucking shit on your idea. You know what I mean? That so,
1: guy thinks, thinks. Yeah. All the time. If there's never anything stops. he
0: does, it's fucking think, you know what I mean? But, but yeah, man. I wow. I had
1: an overactive imagination. That guy, <laughs> overtime, different worlds,
0: man. Yeah, for real. Wow. But yeah, um, I think that's all I had for one piece though, this week, massive conversation. Did you have anything else you wanted to say?
1: uh you know i'm pretty satisfied with the conversation we've just had i think everything
0: yeah for the whole for the whole for the whole video you know what i mean for the whole episode these conversations have been so strong and it goes back into what i was saying at the beginning about how there is something special about a one-on-one conversational dynamic when it comes to reviewing these manga you know what i mean it's something that we only had we only noticed you know, when Kiko and Eagle, you know, were away from the show for significant amounts of time and we kind of mm-hmm. just couldn't find a guest or whatever and just had to do it, me and him. And, you know, we've done, you know, one-on-one convos before this situation, you know what I mean? But just having them back to back so often. It's like, man, these are di- completely different conversations. It's a than, different vibe. Than three people, four people, five people, whatever. So I'm happy that you were able to join us tonight for, yeah, or join me tonight for for this conversation because this was a big week despite... You know my hero and and jujutsu kaisen being on break which are usually two of our bigger conversations weekly you know what i mean so i um yeah can't thank you enough for for what you bring to these kind of combos man
1: i always (laughs) appreciate the mano y -y mano yeah dude
0: yeah absolutely well i think we killed it man um for those of you out there if you enjoyed the video let us know slap a like on the video that's one way to tell us um also if you're new here hit subscribe um and also hit the notification bell so that we can chirp you when new content is live um, also, if you haven't already, at some point, try your best to visit the description section. See what we have going on down there as far as social media. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, I'll make sure that I put mellow's Twitter information down in the description too, so you can see what he's got going on there. In other areas of his life. Um, and yeah, there's also links to where you can listen to Project Manga on Apple or Spotify or anything that you usually listen to to your podcasts on. There's also uh, an online store and a Patreon down there that you guys can support if you feel so inclined. But other than that. I think that'll do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Wrapping up, I'm your host, Knox. Thank you, Mello, once again. And we will see you all next time.